Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. The stack. Stacking. Stacking something high enough would cause it to be very tall. Tall, like the smallest size of drink at Starbucks. Starbucks, which both begins and ends with an S. S for... Mother of God, you don't think Shanna's involved? Uh... G Willikers. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, we'll 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 not be getting to uh, the the pure pop joy of '66 uh, Batman for a little bit. Uh, not just this, yet. This is kind of a more a, a shot chaser episode, you know. Our our first one, I, which was more fun than I expected it to be. Like I was kind of expecting something. A little more dry yeah no this was actually really really jsa was really watchable yeah it's a really good time even though uh things don't it necessarily go so well ending. for everybody yeah or things, anybody uh, almost everybody uh comes out of it pretty bad like almost yeah, every much. single character pretty much like even the investigator just it doesn't go well for her no uh uh but uh, we'll, we'll, of course, get to that. Uh, so, of course, the, the first film, JSA, Joint Security Area, is a 2000 film from director Park Chan-wook, uh, who uh, next made Old Boy. This is the movie he made just before it. What else has he done? Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything else of his. There's Thirst, which is his vampire movie, and The Handmaiden. Oh, the handmaiding was him. I never, I never saw it, but yeah, I, 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 I have both of them waiting for us in the stacks, but I have not watched either of those. Uh, he did the whole Vengeance trilogy, so there's also Sympathy right. for Lady Vengeance, or no, Lady Vengeance and Sympathy for Mister Vengeance, I think. Right, I gotta see the other two at some point. Again, yeah, we we will have to do them. I I, I have all of these. <laughs> All uh, right. And and those are all great. Yeah, all, all three of those are pretty rad. Uh and yeah, I uh I'm not sure what else he's done, but I I feel like I've seen a few others, but this is I I don't know if it's his first film, but obviously it is the one right before he becomes huge with Old Boy. Uh and cool opening shot of an owl, a real owl. Uh, and then it just flies away and turns really fakey and stylized to illuminate <laughs> it against the moon. Yep. <laughs> uh, and kind of just a, a, a really atmospheric opening credit sequence where it's just a light light rain falling on no man's land. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they they really drive home that no man's that this place is so far removed from anything and nobody's there it's a pain in the ass to get to it's a pain in the ass to be in it just sucks here in yeah the, there's, uh, the there's nothing to do yeah absolutely nothing to do uh it, everybody's bored uh <laughs> and uh like tourists show up sometimes uh, yeah but... i man considering everything else that had happened so far in the movie when the tourists show up i was like this is really weird. But then I was like, <laughs> I know that that actually happens. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, it kind of provides the grace note for the movie too. Yeah. 
but yeah, so as uh, as it's just sort of tracking through no man's land while the credits play out, a bullet hole appears and light shines through it o- over the title uh, JSA Joint Security Area. We're going to see that appearing bullet hole a few times. It's very important. Yeah, so this is sort of a Rashomon movie. They they uh, have everybody's different depositions, and then you know they sort of reconstruct a true one at the end, maybe. Yeah, that's kind of what I got because the only way this, to me, the only way the ending makes sense is if the end that we saw was also a maybe because. Okay, a little, little bit getting ahead of ourselves, but I, I very much understood the what of what was going on and had a real hard time grasping a bit of the why towards the end, like mm. why this massacre happened. Right. Uh, so first we're introduced to, uh, I, I guess, sort of our main character, uh, Major Sophie Jean. Or Jean. Oh, yeah, she's... She's set up to be the main character, but she's a she, she's like not in half the movie. Yeah, it's weird because her arc is sort of uh, the the like she runs the investigation until she's taken off of it. And it's her arc that drives the movie. We enter the movie with her and we leave the movie with her. It's just she ultimately does nothing important in the story other than find out what happened and kind of ruin it because of it make, make things worse ru- by yeah she made it worse she made it worse uh she, she really did just it, by finding out what was going on i i feel like uh the professor on uh futurama and like you changed the result by measuring it <laughs> oh my god yeah that's exactly it because she didn't do anything <laughs> wrong no i don't think she just by doing the right thing made everything worse yeah, and it's it's the procedure, uh, and that that's kind of what they're hammering home to her in this opening sequence. Is like, okay, look, we don't care what the outcome is going to be. Uh, the important thing is that this is a really tense political situation, so the procedure is very important. You got to do everything by the book every step of the way. Uh, I don't know if she does though. No, I, feel I don't like think she probably she does. doesn't. I mean, ultimately, spoilers, she is taken off of the case, although it's sort of weird external political bullshit that happens there. Oh, yeah. Plum. <laughs> she doesn't, Plum doesn't like that she's been taken off the case. Uh, the whole taking her off the case thing kind of felt extraneous to the plot because it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with anything that's happening. I feel like it has some thematic resonance, but yeah, it sort of comes completely out of nowhere because we've also spent like a good 40 minutes without her in the movie. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember her? Well, she's off the case now. Yeah, it's like, oh, right. Weird. Why? By the time we got back to her, I I had forgotten she was in the movie. I was like, oh, shit, right. This is apparently her movie. Yeah, because, I, I mean, we'll we'll get to it, but, like, there's also a whole film strip about her background that we don't really initially realize is about her background. It's like, oh, oh, I see. Oh, but, yeah, uh, strange. Strange mm. structure to this movie. It's very it, recursive. It really, yeah, it really is. Like, we have a flashback that's, it really is about 45 minutes of yeah. one long flashback that I, that, 
went so long that I forgot it was a flashback. I thought it was, and I thought this was just part. the movie. And it is the best part. It's so wonderful. Like it's so lovely. And just, it's, it's a really tragic ending to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bringing it back to the end, uh, like coming out of the flashback, I was like, Oh, right. And then all this horrible shit happened. And I still don't know why. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, some of it, I think, definitely is cultural, but I, I think a lot of it is just like uh, acting in the moment and also a matter of just sort of the, the bizarre political situation involved. Yeah, I guess a lot of it is, oh, fuck, I have just fucked over two countries. What do I do right now? Yeah, like, how do we get out of this? Uh, it it, it, it kind of seems like. Uh, only one side should survive here. And uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a whole issue. And like mm-hmm. whichever side survives is going to have problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- these opening sequences with uh, the the Swiss guys, I guess, the, in English, a little stiff. <laughs> yeah, uh, none, of, none of these people's first language is English, but. Like it's yeah, fine. It's, it's it's fine. It's definitely better than other English acting I've seen in foreign films. Completely. Like they certainly speak English better than I can speak Swiss or uh, Korean. Well, but, yes. But like, yeah, it, it is kind of jarring because the rest of the movie is subtitled. And it's like, why wasn't this just just in Swiss? Or like, why 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 are we doing this in English when that doesn't seem to be anyone's first language because it just doesn't need to be like this is made for korean audience kind of like the the universal ish language it's sort of yeah yeah um it it, i I didn't question the choice of english i just wish i just didn't it just feels a little awkward it just sticks out in the movie because it's the only part of the movie that feels kind of weird and unnatural it it actually kind of reminded me of apocalypse now though Oh, God, I haven't seen that in so long. Just the early sequences of when uh, Sheen is getting his commands from, like, Harrison Ford. It's like, terminate with extreme prejudice. Uh, that sequence. And and it kind of is lit the same way. It sort of has that same kind of low-light moodiness. Mm. Uh, but, of course, here, you know, she's not terminating with extreme prejudice. She's going into a really tense situation to uh, just diffuse everything. And she uh, does not succeed in doing nope. so. <laughs> no, because she wants to find the truth. And everyone is like, no, we want you to find out that the truth is nothing. Yeah. This is what we like, actually want. Look, truth, truth. There, it's it's the, the Lionel Hutz thing. There's the truth. And the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so the, the, the competing claims are the South says their soldier was abducted and had to shoot his way out. And the yeah. North claims that this guy just came and randomly attacked them. He, he the, the North claimed he went Terminator. Yeah. And the South claimed he went. Oh, God. What's a example Shoot, shooting your way out taken <laughs> it's interesting because they're both wrong but they're both kind of right like they're, they're both the, the truth is somewhere in the middle and this is sort of a movie about the truth being somewhere in the middle of everything uh this is a movie about 
the middle. The middle, yeah. Like th- there, there is a very important visual coming up regarding that for sure. <laughs> oh, the, it, it's it's a recurring thing. It's always like this. There's a lot of symmetrical shots. Yeah. Uh, so they they meet with the South Korean general like in, in charge of the base first and he, he's all on about how much he hates neutrality with talking to like these swiss people and like there's only commie bastards and enemies of commie bastards mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh wow that's that sounds familiar yeah uh, that, that that sounds very uh current right wing in north america mm, yeah uh so we we see f- uh the deposition first in this sort of Rashomon style approach where each time we see someone's deposition, we kind of see it acted out as they claim. Yeah, like it looks like a flashback. So we're like, oh, at first I was like, oh, this is what actually happened. I didn't realize that's what they were doing at first. Right. By the second deposition, of course, I had it figured out. But yeah. yeah. So Sergeant Lee Suhyuk is uh, the the South guy, the, the South Korean guy who... Uh, supposedly did all of the shooting suppose yeah supposedly actually uh, uh there's yeah there's this whole thing about finding out whether or not he shot all the bullets uh theoretically he shot one of the bullets uh is is kind of my take at the end that's kind of what yeah uh so he says that he was going to the bathroom because he's constipated and you just gotta go when you gotta go mm-hmm. and he was taken <laughs> yep yep we see uh we see two uh soldiers dragging him across the bridge yeah and they and he wakes up in the cabin and he's like got his hands tied behind his back and we see him heroically free himself and just start shooting up the place uh, and as he's escaping, we see just a, a huge crowd of reinforcements arrives, and there's a big firefight. There was a firefight. Oh, and we see this firefight a few times, and it's it's gory. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, now, th- now the interesting thing is we know the fire. We know that this is how the firefight happened because every time we see it, it's always the same shots. Yeah, these are exactly the same. This is the official record because this is when everybody else showed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, there's no mention of anyone else, and he, there's yeah. not really any clear understanding of why this thing would have happened. Uh, and so they have to go see the the North Korean side. Uh, and very notably, uh, as they're going to cross over to North Korea, we see in the foreground in South Korea a stray dog wandering in the foreground. Oh, I didn't notice that. It, it, it was very easy to catch the the second time around because you know the, this is a, a dog who's kind of a character in the movie as well. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 neutral nations supervisory committee, uh, which I don't think is a real thing, this is kind of like a quasi UN. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I I don't know. Maybe this is a real thing. Neutral nations supervisory. Like I I know. Switzerland is a neutral nation. Are there yeah. other neutral nations? I don't think <laughs> so. I mean, there's the I first could one mistaken. that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it is a real thing. It totally is real. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's it's just for dealing with uh, Korea. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is Sweden and Switzerland, and it is for dealing with Korea. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so they, they are just for this this yep. border. This is their whole purpose. Okay. And like it, it was signed uh, after the Korean War. <laughs> like that, right. that is when they were created. Uh, so yeah, we we see them crossing the demarcation line, and there's a chalk outline perfectly crossing right over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of them even goes, "Isn't that a bit contrived?" <laughs> So uh, they, they go into the guard shack where a Lieutenant Choi and Private Jiang were killed. Uh, it's very bloody. Mm, very bloody. Uh, lots of bullet holes, too. Tons of bullet holes because, uh, you know, first there was the initial shooting. And then, of course, uh, the place got shot up again in the ensuing oh, yeah, firefight. Oh, yeah, in the firefight, of course. Right. Yeah. Which was completely purposeless. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Sophie finds Private Jiang's sketchbook, flips through it. We don't really see much to recognize there yet, but uh, it's ultimately very important. Uh, yeah, there's like a dog, a picture of a girl, you know, some sketchbook things. Yeah. Uh, driving into uh, Pyongyang, I guess, they see, they, they drive past these amazing Rice's Communism billboards. <laughs> Those are great. Yeah. Uh, and they go to interview Sergeant O, uh, the great Song Kang-ho, uh, who, you know, he's in Parasite. He's kind of the main character there. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. We, he was in Memories of Murder, which we covered way back in the day. He's kind of the main character there. Yeah. He's kind of the main character here, although he's not set Arguably. up that way yet. Yeah. It, it's I, more I of an ensemble cast. I don't say think there is a main character. Yeah, he's just kind of... The the soul of it, in a weird way, he's sort of the protagonist. Ultimately, like, he's the one who's right, in a weird yeah. sort of way. Yeah. Uh, he is an, an expert at defusal. Uh, and his deposition is that Sergeant Lee just burged in there suddenly and shut the place up. It was really gory. <laughs> the, this reenactment is gruesome. Yeah, I, I like I like when they're when she's meeting him in the hospital. He's like, I've been in all these different fights here. You want to see this scar that I got from Egypt? And she's like, Oh yeah, let's take a look, shall we? It's like, ooh. And he's she's, like, She's into that. And he's like, Oh, I don't want to play with you anymore. Basically, he's like, Yeah, I I like when they enter. He kind of because they're with uh, another. Uh, Korean dignitary of some sort he's trying to get up and salute in bed even though he's like badly shot yeah yeah uh, so they uh, then they have this weird it's it's not an autopsy exactly it's just an examination of the bodies where of course they brought in the families of the oh. North Korean soldiers who were killed just for show yeah, they, they brought in the, the families so they can cry while they're watching them be, like, turned over and they look at all these fucking bullet holes. Bullet in them. holes, and the bodies have been, like, on the table for so long that when they flip them onto their back, it's, like, flat. flat. Oh, it's gross. Oh, yeah. it's so gross. I never even thought of that, but, yeah, that would be a thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, very intense. Uh, and just like, it, it's very matter of fact, like they don't play it for shock or anything, but yeah, no, it's, it's just, just the, like, just Ooh. There. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The, the first bullet wound was like super gross. Mm -hmm. 
big exit wound under the back of the one guy's head. Yeah, so Choi was shot just two times. Uh, the, the first shot was in the chest and did not kill him. The second shot was in the head, uh, and it very much finished him off. Oh, yes. Uh, and that's the one, yeah, they, they turn him over and we see just like a huge hole in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, v- very gruesome. Uh, and Private Jiang was shot eight times. Uh, and the first one did kill him. The, he, he was shot in the face. But then uh, seven more times, uh, seven more shots were pumped into his chest uh, after he was already dead. And it's here that she figures out that they're... Um... Oh, what does she figure out here? That somebody was lying because of the angle of one of the shots? There, there's something to do with that, because, uh, like, they, they clearly were from him. Uh, like, he, he was at the same level as them. But, oh, yeah, yeah, he started out at the same level as them, and then... And uh, then all, yeah, I guess she found out that all the shots were done after he was killed. Or yeah, all, I mean, except like, for the first. Yeah, I mean, the, the, most of these, like, he was just down on the ground and just kept firing. Uh, so his story is kind of suspect. Like, why did he do that? Why yeah. did you shoot this guy eight times? But uh, then she interviews the rest of Sergeant Lee's platoon, who uh, all admire him quite a bit. But they also mentioned that he would uh, he would tend to just kind of go away from his post sometimes, sometimes to piss or sometimes... It's like, yeah, one time he uh, he said he he was he accidentally stood on a landmine and had to defuse the whole thing himself. Turns out that's super important, too. <laughs> yeah, th- this is sort of like the main story that has built up his uh, legend in the group is like they were all out on an excursion and he slipped away to go to the bathroom and stepped on a mine. And like they all came back and they're like, huh, he never showed up. And they were all a little worried and they were like considering uh, sending a search party and like two hours later he shows up and is like yeah I, I've, I stepped on a mine and diffused it and he now has this uh, mine fuse that he keeps uh, on a necklace yeah I see I thought the mine thing was really suspect at first I, was like, mm, I bet you're using the mine thing as an excuse for some nefarious deed but he not, wasn't no not quite uh, and she talks notably to Nam Sung-shik, who is, uh, he, he was also there that night. He was the other guard on duty. And he says, yeah, uh, Lee went alone to relieve himself. He said, like, when you're constipated, you got to shoot your shot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, w- at this point, we don't know that he was the other person at the at the scene. Uh, we right. don't find that out for a little bit, but he was. Yeah, I mean, they they find it out pretty quickly because they check the bullet numbers. They they check how many bullets were left in everybody's guns. Yeah, and how many were fired. Yeah. And how one bullet was... There's a thing about a magic bullet that was never found. Yeah. Uh, and at first they're like, okay, so if there's one bullet unaccounted for, maybe it was an extra in the chamber because it's possible to load one and then load your clip. Yeah. So they have Lee load his gun his usual way, and he doesn't do that. So they're like, okay, that's that's probably not where that bullet came from. Yeah, they they do it a few times to be sure, but yes, they figure. Yeah. Okay, well then there must have been somebody else there with this kind of gun. Yeah, and 
he says a very important line that he's repeating. And I would say it's the most important line in the movie. And it's sort of what I feel is sort of the central thesis. Like they, they've also talked about how he's really good with guns and is a quick draw. And he says, what matters in battle isn't speed, but handling yourself with composure and bravery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one. That's the one. That one comes up uh, quite a bit. Pretty important, and I would say crucial, because speed with the gun is kind of ultimately the worst thing for him. It, like it's it's what made everything. It kind good. of makes everything go to hell. Yeah. 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 Uh, in, instead of composure. Uh, and she also talks to Lee's girlfriend, Su Jung. Uh, she's dressing up as a monkey mascot. Oh yeah, see this this was cool because uh, I, I didn't realize at first that that's what she was doing. I thought she was just at like a clothing store trying on different clothes, and then it's like, oh, zip me up. It's like, oh, she's got a fur coat that zips up in the back. Okay, a little weird, but all right. And then she puts on the monkey helmet. I'm like, oh, like, oh. this is one of those. And then she's going to have her. Uh, her sex tape leak online and then she's gonna have <laughs> right. to have plastic surgery she'll have to disappear uh, uh I, yeah, I i do like just the the weird kind of extended sequence of her getting zipped up and they she just kind of runs out and you see her start a little mascot concert on stage with oh, a bunch yeah, of other people like, yeah and it, we still like we we hold it's a pretty wide shot so we see them in the front of the stage and like in a quarter in the backstage, we see Sophie just sort of standing there blankly. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, we, like we, we stay on that shot for a little bit longer than you'd expect to. Yeah, just a mood shot. Mm-hmm. So she learns notably from Sujung that Nam is her brother. So it's like, okay, the, these guys are maybe really tight. Yeah. Uh, and she goes to talk to Lee about the missing bullet and her theory on that. Uh, because so the, this is a bullet that definitely went through someone and it's the only bullet that's unaccounted for. Like no one has recovered that one at the scene. All of the others yeah. were. Yeah. Uh, and he he just sort of reminisces about this one time where fields were being set on fire at night and all of the mines going off like fireworks on the other side. Oh yeah. We get to see that later. It's really cool. We do see that. But also really uh not cool kind of. Yeah. I mean it's it's a very interesting dark scene. Like when you actually get to it, it it's a very conflicted scene. Mm-hmm. So she reveals her suspicion that she's like, I think Nam was there with you. Uh because the recovered beretta that we said was uh uh like the the main one used yeah uh it's it's nam's gun and he said his gun jammed after one shot but the gun he turned in had a bunch of blood on it (laughs) from being shot close to someone yeah and notably looked like the blood had been wiped off right and there there's just like some spots where it was inside and was missed yeah and he's cagey about that, and we just sort of do a pan up through the floor where in the room above we see uh, one of the other dudes on the, the NNSC uh, asking him about it. Oh, asking God. Nam. Oh, God, this is right before the flashback. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. Holy shit, I didn't re- – I forgot, like, just 
where the flashback begins and ends is like, wow. It's very sudden. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it just shifts to a completely different movie for a while. Yeah, so, but but not just yet. Something. One more thing has to happen. Yeah. So, uh, there, uh, the, the, I think it's a Swedish or Swiss guy who's yeah. talking to him about, uh, the, the bullet thing. And he proposes a lie detector test and Nam just kind of loses it. He, he, he puts the gun in his mouth, uh, yeah, and they're like, against the wall. And, and the, the, the interrogator guy's like, please just, there, there are no bullets in it. Of course we, we've obviously removed the bullets. Just please calm down and we'll settle this. And uh, Nam jumps out the window. Yeah. And we see um, Lee's eyes meet Nam's eyes as he just descends from above upside down. Drops past the window. Yeah. And that's when the flashback starts. Yeah. The, the splat of him hitting the ground is uh, the beginning of the flashback. Uh, Very harsh and, you know, reminiscent of black test car. Oh, yeah. Someone in an interrogation jumping out a window because of what was revealed. This guy, I don't know, like, maybe he survives. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't really know. We we do find out um, much later that he goes into a coma. Yeah. And that's like, I think it. I think that's the first thing we learn as we come out of the flashback. Yeah. So the flashback, uh, uh, really great. Or the main part of the movie. The main part of the movie. Uh, the best part. Really is, really is. And we start out with these tourists snapping pictures of the DMZ. <laughs> yep. And they've got their like little hats and, oh, oh no, one's blown away in the wind, but it's blown over the border. Oh no, it's in it's in uh, old man Kim Jong Il's yard. We can't go Ooh. there. Can't go <laughs> Kim Jong Il does not want you on his yard, on his lawn. No, uh, it's it's a red hat, noticeably. Uh, not <laughs> like this is two thousand, so it's, this is two thousand. It didn't yeah, have the same significance then, but I I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, good point. Bright red hat. Yeah, uh, and uh, Sergeant O returns it. Yeah, he he stands, but like <laughs> he he just kind of looks at it, and then he holds up the hat, but just enough so that the guy has to reach his arm a little bit over the border to grab it. Yeah, and we we see that very clearly because there's a shot from directly above. Yeah, he's clearly being playful, uh-huh. uh, and we one of the sh- the pictures uh, taken here is the last shot of the movie. Yes, because uh, af- as this is happening, like one of the tourists is like rushing up to get a shot and they're like trying to hold him back. Yeah. And the tour guide's all like, I could be hanged for what I just did. <laughs> uh, so the first major thing we see is the fabled training exercise where Lee stepped on a mine, which happens February 17th. So this spans quite a few months. I think this. And yeah, because the incident November. is uh, October 31st is the incident. Oh, right. It's Halloween. That's why we oh, had the so owl. They, this whole thing's going on for like a, almost a year. Yeah, this is like... Uh, like uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't Sergeant, paying attention to the dates. Sergeant Lee is... he He's sort of the fabled three months away from retirement. He is just about done his term of service. And, and they like, he's just to... at the end of it. That's that's sort of what they're celebrating at the end, in addition to the birthday. 
Yeah, that's right. It's like, um, it's like, oh yeah, you only have to do three years. Holy shit. Yeah, we got to do thirteen. Uh, <laughs> which I mean, yeah. So, uh, they, the, the, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, they're on like a training exercise in this, uh, this field, and they're like looking through their binoculars. It's like, oh shit, we crossed over the border. We, yeah. we got to go back. We got to go back now. And, and but, they all take off, but he had stepped away to pee. <laughs> yep, just like the story. Yeah, it, it was true. He did step mm-hmm. away to pee and stepped on a mine. Also true. Yep, he is like, you see his just touched this trip wire. And, and he's, who should come along but a puppy? <laughs> a, a little puppy dog. The same puppy that we saw on the south side uh, earlier, although... I, it did not occur to me then. No, no, I I didn't realize. Well, yeah. I didn't even see the dog the first time. Right. Uh, so, yeah, he finds Lee and he barks at him a bit. And he is followed by Jiang, uh, who, uh, oh, or not, oh, uh, Lee raises his weapon to him initially, but then Oh sneaks up and disarms him. So they're all yep. there. Yeah, and Lee's like, Okay, well, I'm stepping on a landmine, uh, so stand back. Yeah, don't don't come any closer. I'm warning you. And they're like, okay, dude, and they all start they start to walk away, and he starts crying. He's like, please, I'm so sorry. I I didn't I I I don't I told you not to come closer. I didn't tell you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, oh, disarms the mind while Jiang is like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You just leave this guy. Yeah. Uh, but O is an expert in all forms of defusal, I feel like. This is what he does best. He is an expert at tough situations. Like, he, he can find the path out of it somehow. Uh, yep. it, it might be messy. It might be hard. But he's, he's <laughs> going to find a way out. Actually, yeah. I mean, doing by saving him, he's kind of... If he had died in a mine explosion, that would, you know, cause a war with uh, North and South Korea because he wasn't supposed to be there to begin with and all that. It would be a problem. And like, it'd be a problem, it, especially with these guys on guard. They're going to be in a lot of trouble that there's this South Korean guy who's getting in a, on their side here. Like there, there's a, a whole lot of implications everywhere. It's just like, OK, I'm going to save this guy. We'll, we'll, we'll get him on the other side. That's fine. You know, uh, he doesn't really have any animosity with the south yeah uh, and, just, and i feel like this is more like just a job for him or he's doing it maybe not even a job maybe he's doing it because he has to he is doing it because he has to he's conscripted this is part of oh, a 13 yeah, year right. thing he has to do right and yeah we he's just like well about that. yeah I'm, I'm just gonna do my time and i'm doing the best i can do i'm gonna be a human while i do it uh and oh we, we oh I like I have my principles and he does believe in North Korea ultimately mm-hmm. like he he's very serious about that it, it, although like he also really admires America not so much well, South Korea maybe he admires America's stuff more than he, he admires, admires America's America. stuff and power and manufacturing capabilities <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah he he diffuses the mind he gives the fuse to Lee uh, and then we cut forward, uh, I, I guess a month or so, to another exercise in the snow. 
Oh yes, this is the one where like the the North Army and the South Army like just happens to come across each other at the same time. And and they're all just like in a snowy field and they all line up in two long lines. I love this scene because uh it just just trying to imagine what the other soldiers were thinking while this is happening. It's so strange because it's all yes. looks. And nobody really comments on it after the fact. Yeah, this one isn't one that comes up at all. It, it's more important just to these guys. Like, it, it doesn't really have any uh, mythology attached to it for the rest of the soldiers for whom I guess this was just mystifying. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so, so I, what happens is uh, Sergeant O and Lee both come up to the center and they exchange cigarettes and lighters. Well, is it or rather, they Lee? light each other's. Yeah, they, they light each other's. I, I think it's the leader. I think it might be the general, because I think Lee is still in the line, but O whistles at him. Oh, that could... Yeah, right. I, I don't think it's Lee who comes up, but it is O, and I think the guy who is like, ah, the only commie bastards and enemies of commie bastards oh right that guy i think that's the guy uh although yeah they they just kind of you know politely exchange cigarettes like they each give uh the other uh, a cigarette out of their package uh and light them for each other yeah uh and i i think it was a thing like the north had been out and they they came to see what they were doing and it's like they just caught a rabbit <laughs> oh right yeah somebody's like, got oh, like yeah. a dead rabbit they hold it. I was like, okay, I see. Uh, and then we have a, a really fun scene where uh, Sergeant O and Lee are at the border staring each other down. Because, like, they're right <laughs> at the border in, in the the DMZ, like, the public front part. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, where the tourists were earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and O is like, hey, watch it. Your shadow's almost over the line. And Lee does like a big theatrical step back and O cracks a smile. It's so cute. It's <laughs> oh, fun. And so Lee decides to write a thank you letter to Jiang. For whatever reason, it is Jiang that he writes to because he's talking about the sketchbook and stuff, I think, right? Um, or him thought... like being good at sketches or something. Maybe that hasn't come up yet. I don't feel like that's come up yet. I think it's more just like he's writing to O, but Jiang intercepts the writers and writes back because he thinks it's funny. Yeah, because they, that's they how become I pen pals, it. ultimately, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, they, but it's Jiang and Li who do. Yeah, they take turns uh, flinging their notes over the border. Just, like, tied around a rock. And, and one of these is, like, another kind of lore about Lee within the platoon is that like he threw a rock through the window of the guard hut one night uh, just for fun. <laughs> and no, he was passing a message because like they were throwing notes like teenagers. It was really cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so finally Lee decides he's going to go over it and visit his friends. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, he, he just goes on over when uh, Nam is asleep. Yeah, and uh, O is uh, hesitant, but Jiang, just like, he, he's all for it. It's like, you've 
breached our tragic history of division and disgrace. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and they they embrace they get they start getting to know each other they have all these basement bunker hangouts which again kind of made me think of Parasite they're just these dudes hanging out in the underground bunker under the shack. <laughs> yep. Yeah, th- this happens. This goes on for quite a while. Uh, just learning different things about each other, them talking back and forth about, uh, pardon me, about the differences between their countries. Lee showing off his quick draw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, just like, just completely, he, he like, just puts his rifle in Lee's face, like, looking like he's really going to shoot him. And this is where he says to him, like, hey, it's not, it doesn't matter how fast you are. It's about your composure and how you yeah. conduct yourself. Yeah, it, it's it's not about speed. It's about your composure in battle. Uh, and he, he asks him directly, like, have you ever shot a man? And he's like, no, I, I never have. And I was like, I've shot quite a few. I've been in and the, he, he like has been in all sorts of campaigns, like every oh, yeah, North been... Korean campaign there is. He's been on it. Uh-huh. Uh, and ultimately, like they're they're given away one night, but only sort of because the dog is barking. And oh, yeah. And that's when the the. I, not the general, but whatever, Choi? Choi, Choi. yeah, Sergeant Choi. Yeah. Uh, he he shows up and chews them out because they're away from their post, underground in the bunker, but he does not see that Lee's there. Lee is hiding. Yeah, he's like, this is the most important job of the entire military. What are you doing fucking around? Yeah, just like drinking under the bunker, you jackasses. <laughs> Uh, and he he tells him to give the dog to the butchers to feed to the men. Uh, and Jiang yep. uh, uh, is is really uh, upset about that, and he, he doesn't want to do that, so he frees the dog to the south. It's like, go go puppy. There's more food on the other side. Yeah, he he. Uh, yeah, I hate this part because he has to give the dog a kick to make him go. Yeah, but we do know that he saves the dog because we do yep. see the dog safe on the south later. Uh huh. So Lee has is this is where we hear that he's almost done his service, that here he has three months left. Yeah. And where it's like, so you only got to do it for three years. We got to do it for 13. Yeah, it's not fair. That is unfair. Uh, That is unfair, though. That is real unfair. That's brutal. And Nam ultimately wakes up and happens to see Lee sneaking back from the north one night so he has to start talking to him about some of it and finally it's september 16th so about a month and a half from the incident and he takes nam over to uh meet the north korean guys nam is super nervous uh he stops at the halfway point of the bridge and it takes some convincing to get him across well, it's it's an important symbolic thing here. Like he has never been across this point. Like this is, and it's you're not allowed to. Yeah, it's very serious thing to like cross that. Like that's the thing you don't do. Yeah. Uh, but but he uh, does. Jiang, yeah, and and Jiang is again like really openly welcoming. Like, oh my God, we're going to open the dam to reunification. Uh huh. 
so yeah, they they uh, they end up becoming friends. But Nam is a little bit like, hey, you know that these uh, North Korean border guys are trained to kind of lure us in and get us to drop our guard, right? And Lee's like, that's that's bullshit. Come on. Uh, there there's a really interesting moment where O shakes Nam's hand and like then like very briskly pulls him in for a hug. Oh yeah, yeah. But they get to know each other. They they just play a whole bunch of silly games and they do become friends. Yeah. Uh, and and then we have that scene about the mines and the 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 fire. There's a scare of a war breaking out between them, and so it's newly tense for all of them. Yeah. Like, they're they're watching the fireworks and Lee's just like, hey, we should stop going over there. Yeah. It's like. Uh, I mean, we, we've got friends just over the border, and this is like, uh, we we might have to kill these people tonight. Uh, this is getting really uncool, and, it, like, Lee is at the end of his duty. Like, he's so close to leaving. He's got, like, yeah. a month and a half left, I think. And Nam's like, well, hey, it's it's Jiang's birthday soon, and you're almost done. We should at least say goodbye. One last party. Yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, th- that scene we have the the fire with the minefield going off, which it is it looks so amazing. cool, but it's so uh, and it's beautiful see... and terrible. It's like yeah. uh, there, there's this Werner Herzog documentary, I think Lessons in Darkness, which is just him doing a documentary about all of the oil fields being lit on fire uh, post Gulf oh. War. Oh yeah, I guess this might be similar to that. Uh, and yeah, it's it's beautiful and horrible and just uh, um, um, incredible in its scale. Uh, and yeah, th- this sort of gave me that same feeling, although that one's a documentary and this is uh, obviously fiction. Yeah. And uh, and of course, uh, O and John are watching the same thing happening. Mm hmm. There, there's them sharing pictures of their families and girlfriends, which is kind of important because uh, they this is why there's the sketch of Lee's yeah, so girlfriend the in the, the book. girl is or Pretty no cute. it's it's Lee's sister slash Nam's girlfriend other way around oh no Lee's no I'm sorry it's Nam's sister. Lee's girlfriend Nam's sister you're right Nam's girlfriend is like so hot that they don't know what to do they're like holy shit dude <laughs> he probably just cut out a magazine picture but I'm not gonna Maybe. say anything uh, and and there's another little fun thing where Lee and Jiang play a game of spitting at each other's boots, which is really cute. <laughs> oh yeah, over the when they're on duty on over the line. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there's th- this one very very key moment where Lee offers them coming down to visit the South, and O gets very offended. Oh yeah, they just stop. It's just like you could hear the record scratch. Like he's eating a snack cake from america and he like spits the entire thing into his hand to make a patriotic speech and then like puts it all back in his mouth and like rubs his hand on lee's head (laughs) (laughs) he he he, like really vacillates in in scenes where like suddenly he'll get extremely intense about something and then like totally diffuse it by doing something goofy but he never answers the question about going over to the south no neither of them do Nope. And so, yeah, they, they make plans to visit for Jiang's birthday because it's really close to Lee being done his tour of duty. 
Uh-huh. And they go and visit and they're talking about, you know, there there's war kind of like looming. They they had that thing earlier in the month and that was really spooky. Yeah, the the conversation they have is like, hey, if if there's a war going on, am I gonna have to shoot you? And O's like, listen, if a war happens, all of us are just gonna be obliterated right away. First there three is, minutes. Yeah. yeah. There is no me shooting you or whatever. We're we're just gonna die. Yeah, like we're we're at like the the flashpoint. If if a war breaks out, we're just dead. It doesn't matter who. Uh, and and like Jiang uh, is is trying to do this thing where like they'll all write each other certificates of merit for like <laughs> each other and like their their good qualities and how they've uh, done service to their uh, co nations and stuff. Yeah. They all exchange addresses. They have a toast. They take pictures. Like it's their last hangout. You know, they 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 really don't want it to end, so they're lingering. Yeah, uh, it's like, hey, we'll we'll keep in touch. You, you'll come down and visit me in Pyongyang, right? Oh, y- yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, and you'll, you'll see me in Seoul, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to Seoul <laughs> next summer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like it, like. I, I get it. Like, it, it's very it's, sweet. I, I yeah. totally understand. Like, you, you know, it's totally. the, the last get together and they don't really want it to end and they're all having a really good time. Uh, Lee gives Young a sketchbook and pens for his birthday and he cries. Oh. It's very sweet. And then Choi arrives at the door. Yeah, of the oh, the way the way he shows up, because Lee's just about to leave. You see his hand reach for the door handle and the door opens the door pulls just, away just from him, like, reaching. Yeah, and they just look at each other, just, like, wide-eyed, like, the biggest oh-fuck look you could imagine. And we immediately cut back to the present. So that concludes the, the central flashback. Yeah, so we immediately cut back to, and I had forgotten where we left off. We left off with him just jumping out of the building. Yeah, like, we, we pick up with him on the concrete like a, an ambulance is there about to take him away and he's comatose and yeah here's where we find out he's comatose i guess the the present time not a lot left happens after this because she she runs out i think and jiang runs out but i don't know if this happens before or after the next bit of flashback uh so the, yeah they they have a fight lee attacks jean jean uh, and like he 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 like tries to strangle her for a moment, uh, and he's taken away. And then it's time for the actual trial. Yeah. So the 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 real trial starts, and Lee and O are placed on either side of this really tiny table facing each other. <laughs> oh, is this is this after the flashback too? Oh, I f- yes, oh yeah, no, it, it is. Yeah. So <laughs> so they're looking at each other like, oh shit. Yeah, and like, ah, how are we going to do this? And uh, Sophie gives each of them the wrong depositions. They get, She gives them each other's depositions accidentally, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote accidentally. And they have them for a minute, and they're like, we, we see them, look at them, and realize something's weird. And, like, there's a, a pregnant pause before she switches them back. She's like, She's like Just, oops, silly oops, me, oops. teehee. Uh, which, again, like... Remember procedure and how this was very important and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, she's got to find out the truth, though. 
the truth. The truth. Uh, the truth. Uh, and oh, he, he, they like she asks him again, like, yep, there was just one South Korean soldier who attacked. Yeah, they both are. She's like, are your depositions correct? And they're both like, yes, even though they know they both yeah. written completely different ones. It's like, mm, yep, this is right. Yep. And she puts on the video of Nam's interrogation and suicide attempt. And uh, Lee is not he reacting well. He is breaking. He, he breaks. Breaking. He's crying. And uh, th- this, again, is like uh, a moment of O being an expert at defusal at any cost because he oh, like, he makes a scene. He makes a huge scene. He makes a patriotic scene, which is a very he, specific sort of scene. Yes, he, he kicks the table into Lee, knocking him over, and then he's like, you capitalist puppet, you... He's just going off about how... Oh, man, he's just going off about him. And he's like, hail Kim Jong-il! Hail Kim Jong-il! And then he storms out of there. Yeah, uh, he 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 first kicks the table across and is like, "You capitalist bastard!" And then yeah, lots of puppet. Uh, that that's one he returns to quite a bit in this yeah. tirade. <laughs> and yeah, and everybody's just like like holy shit, like just training their guns on each other. Like, what do we even do here? But like he's it has stopped him from revealing anything, and kind of like made continuing the trial more difficult so mm-hmm. it's like he's he's created a pressure point that is going to stop the truth from getting out which is necessary yeah. to diffuse the situation yes and then we have this weird scene where we learn that sophie jean's father was a north korean general oh yeah so his deal was they were from both the north and south. People were imprisoned in this, I guess, neutral prison. POW and, camps, basically. Yeah, POW camp. And then when the camp got shut down, everybody got to decide whether they would go to the capitalist south or the communist north. But of 10,000, 170 of them chose neither. They're like, we actually want to go to Switzerland. Uh, and like actually, they went to Argentina. They her, did her go dad. to Argentina. They could not go to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And so, her dad was one of them. Yeah, he, her her dad went to Argentina, and they started anew. They changed their name, and that's how she ended up in Switzerland. And how she's yeah. never been to Korea before this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we mentioned that at the top. No, we we haven't. But uh, okay, yeah, she has yeah. never been to Korea. Yeah, when she arrives there, this is her first time in the country. Uh, so she's being taken off the case. She's not neutral anymore because her dad was a North Korean general and she didn't even know about it. It seems a little contrived, I, I must admit. Yeah, because this doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything else. Yeah, it's weird because she's sort of positioned as the main character for all of the sequences outside the flashback, but she doesn't really do anything useful. She's well, kind of an antagonist almost. Kind of. I think that like what happened here was after that whole scene in the trial uh, with the table kicking, whoever was in charge was like, oh, my God, get, this, get her out of here. Get yeah. her out of here. Do whatever you got to do. I don't care what you got to pull. Yeah, very possible because like you're off even... this case. <laughs> you're off the case. Uh, like one of the dudes very specifically says to her here, the piece is preserved by 
hiding the truth. Okay, do you get it? And he gives her tickets back to Switzerland. It's like, come on, we've been telling you this all along. Just stick to the program. That's all we want. Everybody wants the truth to be nothing. Yeah. That is what we do here. The truth. Uh, but uh, yeah. first, she's got to find out the truth. So she goes to talk oh, to yeah. Lee. <laughs> she's like, I'm off the case, but if you tell me the truth, I won't tell anyone. I just need to know. It's important for me to know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and she she shows Jiang's sketch of Nam's sister. And she, she kind of reveals like, okay, I get it. You guys were all friends. This is obvious. Why else would he be sketching pictures of your girlfriend? Like he, and he had a picture of her, like you guys knew each other. This this is where, what happened. I know it and I want the truth. I'll keep it to myself. It kind of feels again, like black test car. It's like, don't, don't give in. Don't don't tell the cops. Yeah, it kind of, it's good. Never talk to the police. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> Just tell me the truth, and I swear eight guys won't come out of the closet with a tape recorder. Yeah, although, to be fair, she isn't pulling that, at least. She is not pulling that. She really does just want to know. Yeah, and, like, she knows that she has to keep it to herself to ensure O's safety. Yeah. And what we get here is maybe the real shootout. This is kind of arguably the final reconstruction that is mostly accurate, maybe? Yeah, um, as we've been talking about it, I kind of understand why everyone did what they did a little bit better. Yeah, it's kind of tough because it's a very tricky interpersonal thing. And then like just the shock of it all. And and like the political powder keg. Yeah. And there's just sort of different levels of friendship that like one person has known them a while and one person's only known them about a month and a half, like six weeks. And different levels of devotion to their country's cause. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. And and just like mm-hmm. they're they're all at sort of different places in their lives. Like, yeah, you know, uh, O is older than all of them and he's seen a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we pick up where Choi enters the bunker. Yeah. And, and Choi and Lee have a standoff while O is trying very hard to de-escalate. It's like they'll, they'll defect. You know, they're they're here voluntarily. They're not. Uh, attacking. Yeah, I'm going to get them to join North Korea. That's they're going to come over to this. Was this will be such a great political coup for us? We we just need you to lower the guns, please. Just just put the guns down. Uh, And and Choi's like Jung, take their guns away, disarm them. Yeah, so Jung pulls his gun on them, and he apologizes to O for pulling his gun. It's like I I'm sorry, I but I I I can't refuse an order. Which is true. I still have a lot of my 13 years left, probably. A lot, yeah. Yeah, he's clearly much younger. Uh, yeah. And O promises Lee, it's like, I I'll, I will protect you. Just please, we, we need to de-escalate this. And he does briefly succeed. He gets everyone to lower their guns. Like, he is yeah. an expert at this shit. And then the tape player, it, it's... It's gotten to like it's been on silent because it got to the end of the tape and it auto oh, yeah, that it, starts up again. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Choi's ra- pardon me, Choi's radio starts crackling. So yeah. Choi reaches back to get it. And he makes and- a very sudden movement for it, which is a bad idea to start with. And Lee. Lee again, shoots him. 
he he pulls it up and he 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 shoots him in the chest so again this is the ultimate moment of him being speedy with the gun but not having composure in battle yes uh and Jiang draws because like you know he he had just sort of put his gun away and he gets shot uh we we see him get shot a couple times like he gets shot in the face first and then his thumb is blown off quite gorily yeah and we see uh it's it's nam who shoots him right the yes. first time but we also see lee put up his gun next to nam and shoot him some more uh he uh no uh no? he put he moves to shoot O at close range and his gun jams oh okay he only gets off one shot right uh and then uh jiang or not jiang uh Nam is is just shooting Jiang like eight times. He he gets him in the face. He he takes off his thumb and like uh, I think Jiang falls and pulls the trigger and he gets Lee in the leg. Yeah. Oh yeah. He gets him in the leg. That's right. It's like a stray shot. And yeah, then Nam pumps six more bullets into him because he's just like gone into robot mode like he is in complete shock and he's just operating on survival instinct at this point and O takes the gun away from lee he executes Choi, wipes all of the guns returns them he obviously returned them to the wrong guys oh that's, that's how got okay up. that's how that happened oh yeah. shit okay because they're in a rush yeah. like everybody's yeah, in shock in everybody's like right freaking now. out shit like, is please, about you... to hit the fan you have to that, go. Like, everything's going to go so bad. Please leave. All Get the out. soldiers that we've already seen show up like three times are about to show up. And it's like, I am suspiciously unharmed here. And he gets Lee to shoot him in the shoulder as he's going out. Yeah. And then uh, Nam runs across the bridge, but Lee has to limp. And yeah, because he's, he's wounded. He's been, he's got he's the, been wounded. Yeah, so he falls right on the demarcation line. Yeah, we get that scene that we saw a couple times before. It's like, wait, this guy, he looks like one of ours as they're looking through the goggles. Yeah. As, and, and as the shootout's see, happening again. Yeah, the same firefight that we've seen, basically. Although, interestingly, here we finally get two POVs of it, of the of Nam and Lee, because we've never actually had their POVs during the battle. We see uh, Nam up in the guard booth. He he ran fast and he got up there before things went crazy. And we see him like like just peeking over the desk, <laughs> like oh fuck. Yeah, and he's like hiding under the table, like oh my god, as uh, as bullets are raining and and O is like up against one of the barricades, just shooting over the line, just pointlessly, like I, I think intentionally, just shooting nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, and of course, N- Lee just on his back watching like from literally the middle of the firefight, watching it take place above him. Uh-huh. Uh, this thing that he set in motion, basically uh-huh. <laughs> all himself, like with good intentions, but good intentions go uh, terribly awry sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and Jean, finally, she's like, OK. I'm going to go see O once more and we'll like go talk to him. And she, she like offers to uh, take Lee a message from him. 
Oh yeah, right. Uh, uh, and but like he... very notably, he says that he would have shot first himself it, if it had been him at a southern post. It's like, yeah, yeah. If it had been me at a southern post, I would have shot first too. Yeah. And, uh, then, and he, but he please. he doesn't give a message, but he just does that whistle. He does the whistle and he gives back the lighter that he'd gifted him way early on. Right, right. Uh, he gave him like an American lighter that was pretty high quality and he'd been using it to light uh, his smokes all the way since then. Here he gives it back. Yeah. Uh, and she also finds out that O retrieved the missing bullet himself and threw it in the river along with the tape player that got shot up. Like, that was what happened yeah. to the missing bullet. It just got thrown in the river. It was never yeah. really a whole conspiracy or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. This is no GFA. He got rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Lee kills himself. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he's leaving the interrogation place. Actually stops right on the Nam bloodstain. Right. Very uh, symbolically. Yeah. And then, He takes yeah, the he... gun from one of the guards who's taking him to the car. Yeah. And he... Shoots himself while Gene runs down to try to stop him and is forced to watch. And when he does it, there's a flashback to the kill shot of Jiang, like Jiang getting shot in the face. Uh, and it, it seems to be a POV. So I, I do wonder who had which gun. That That is the one point of contention is like, I think we know basically what happened, but it's not entirely clear who had which gun and who was shooting where. Yeah, yeah. But they're all dead. We don't know what the truth is. And looking at the truth is how they all ended up dead. We see him lying on the ground and blood pools around the fuse necklace, uh, which would be a really downer final image. So instead, we see this <laughs> tourist photo for the credits, which is oh, so yeah. lovely. And it's kind of just a really sweet grace note. Yeah, yeah, just uh, going back to him handing the hat over the uh, over the thing, and you see like the the soldiers marching by, but they've got like this goofy uh, look on their face. And one of them is young, like is young oh, in the background yeah, walking too. by. So he he's like got this silly look on his face, marching in the, like right in the 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 background. In the middle, you've got O handing the hat, and you've got Lee. Uh, and pushing, yeah, pushing the the camera person, pushing away. the camera person, bay. and there's also uh, Nam. I think he's the other guard on duty there, or something, or he happens to be walking by, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, they're like it just by chance. All four of them happen to be there, and it's just kind of this moment. They all have a silly expression. This is when they were all friends and kind of like playing around at the border and having some fun. Uh, and that's it. That's the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, we didn't solve the Korea situation. No, no, didn't didn't work out. Uh, it's not as bleak as Yongri, let's say. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's not. No one quite gets the Yongri treatment, although it goes so unfairly wrong for poor Jiang on his birthday. Like I feel yeah. for him. Big time. Uh, it goes wrong for everyone. Like, everybody has a real bad time of it. Uh, I guess O is the only survivor because surviving is what he does. Yeah. Um, well, we, we don't know if Nam lived or not. And 
interestingly, it could be possible that Lee survived. We did, we didn't touch on this, but uh, O said that as long as he's holding that uh, fuse uh, charm, bullets can't hurt him. And in Fight Club, uh, the guy survives getting shot in the mouth. It's true. That is true. Although he, yeah, I, 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 I kind of feel like it's unlikely. <laughs> I feel it's unlikely too, With but all, all the blood. Uh, yeah. And that we we don't see it, and that she is screaming when she sees it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's a harsh ending with kind of like that that sort of like uh, the 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 way it flashbacks or flashes back to their better times uh, really sweetens it. Mm-hmm. But also kind of makes it bittersweet because it's like, oh, we're mm. never gonna go back to that. No, uh, and for like so little reason, <laughs> it, it's just yeah. Just like, uh, like the way they're separated, there, there's no real purpose, and like they're just like these people who happen to be in the exact same job, who very reasonably are able to make friends with each other because like they just like they work in the same business right across the street from each other, you know? Yeah, like, like. You would get you would get to at least even if you didn't go over for beers, you'd see the same faces. You'd kind of get to know who's who a little bit on the other side. It's like when I worked at McDonald's in my misspent youth, uh, our, our, we were directly across the street from a Panago pizza. And, you know, theoretically fast food rivals. But, you know, we would get sick of our own food. We just like, oh, yeah, the workers food. don't care. Yeah. You like, you know, you you go across and like, hey, how about some pizzas for our staff? We'll give you a bunch. We'll give you whole order of whatever the hell you want. You know, just a, a thing to do because whatever. Yeah. And and this is that same sort of thing. Like, you know, we we have our our franchise kingpins, but who gives a crap? We're just people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, when there's a a person of authority, you have to suddenly give a crap in a very serious way and. Uh, it's real bad, real yeah. fucking bleak. Uh, but yeah, great movie, just fantastic. Yeah, uh, a lot of fun. Surprisingly I, fun. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't go in the direction I thought it would. I didn't. When I started watching it, I didn't think it would turn out that the mystery would turn out to be that they were friends, and that's the problem. Right? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's kind of very sweet and. And and such a an, an interesting uh, up, upheaval of expectation. Mm-hmm. I really I really liked it. Yeah, it's very good. So this is replaced, excuse me, replaced in the stacks with Man of the West. Oh, what so, is that? So this is another noir western like Backlash that we've covered previously. Uh, okay. This is one with Gary Cooper, who's one of the big. Uh, Western guys. Uh, it's him as a, a reformed outlaw. He used to be with this criminal gang, and now he's just kind of cleaned up his act, and he's on a train, and his former gang happens to rob the train. And he's just kind of forced by circumstance to rejoin them, because the guy who runs the gang kind of sees himself as his father figure, like mm. father figure to Gary Cooper, and is dangerously psychotic. And he's kind of just folded back into doing this although he really doesn't want to right right cool uh so kind of unforgiven-esque in a way but like in the 50s 
Interesting. Yeah. So any last thoughts before we move on to part two? Uh, yeah. Don't make friends with work people. No, nah, no, do you gotta, yeah, you kind of gotta. I, I don't I don't care to moralize. Uh, it's it's not a movie about uh, <laughs> no, it isn't. to a moral. It's it's more about the the truth being obviously sometimes a dangerous thing and something that can be weaponized against people, uh, depending on the nature of the state that one is dealing with. Yes. Uh, word to the wise: Don't have a fascist state. <laughs> like uh, uh, th- this, this shouldn't be something that you you need to say. But uh, I feel like it does lately. It feels like it's something that needs to be said at times. So, uh, all right. Well, on to part two, and we're back for part two, where we're talking about the 1966 uh, Batman movie based on the 66 TV series, uh, directed by Leslie H. Martinson, who I think is mostly. A TV director. This came out though before the TV show, didn't it? I think it came out like concurrently. Uh, uh, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, from what I understand, they kind of used it to fin- finance some of the vehicles. It's like they they you got you know they had a, a movie budget, so they could do. Uh, they they could build a bunch of vehicles and then they could use those vehicles oh, on the TV show. Oh, that makes show. sense because the Batmobile is way too nice for a low budget TV show. And then you've got the Bat boat and the Bat copter. The Bat cycle. The Bat cycle. Uh, <laughs> it has a go kart mode. Of course. Is, uh, it's used in the movie, but not effectively. Uh, I obviously paid tribute to by Christopher Nolan in uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I think he had uh, a motorcycle with a sidecar. He 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 revived the Bat Cycle from this. <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays, Batman usually has a jet, not a copter. Well, yeah. Usually. Yeah, there there hasn't really been a Bat Copter in anything recent. At least not that I'm aware of. Maybe in the Batman, which I've been meaning to watch and probably will soon. Oh, the, the, the new the Pattinson The Batman, one? yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I heard it's good. That's what I've heard. You know what else is good, though? This Batman. This one is so good. This one is like, it's it's only grown in appreciation for me. Like, every time I watch it, I like it more. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, every time I watch it, because it's usually a few years apart, I catch more jokes that I didn't catch before that I didn't realize were jokes or... Um, it's very joke dense. It's very oh God. There are so many jokes. There is so much stuff that happens in this movie. Every second of this movie is something happening. It's it's like Mad Magazine. It's like Airplane. It, it's just like there there's always something funny in the frame, in the background, in the way people are performing. Like I I think the the amazing thing that works with this show is that as a kid. I watched it and I kind of watched it at face value. It's Batman and it's Robin and they're fighting crime. They're fighting all the fucking classic villains. I get it. (laughs) And then, you know, when I approached it again, uh, you know, like in university, when it finally started to be become available again, it's like, oh, this this shows fucking brilliant satire. This is a really funny 
like send up, but like totally sly. Oh yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, one of the things I realized with this viewing is that while Batman and Robin are absolutely pro police, I don't think the movie is. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of uh, shows them to be buffoons, and that the like, police literally contribute nothing of value and help nothing. <laughs> they're, they're they're just kind of there to like bumble in. It's like, well, what do you think, Batman? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Commissioner Gordon is uh, useless in this movie. Oh, man. I think he does even less than in Batman Forever. It was definitely a suicide, pretty cut and dry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, so we start with um, this great... I really like the opening of this movie because it's not like... It's not the same opening as what they use in the TV show. Uh, We start with this brick wall... And written on it is something like, we would like to express our gratitude to all the crusaders against crime and everyone who's like, and all that stuff. And yeah, also, it's, it's an expressly pro-vigilante movie. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a way. And then also, uh, this film is dedicated to the lovers of the bizarre, the surreal, um, and lovers of escapism. So... You know, telling you basically right away, like, no, this is not meant to be taken seriously at all. Yeah, like, please understand, this is a gag. We, we're we in on it. We we get it. <laughs> and, and then we have, like, this very, like, noir opening uh, of, like, a spotlight chasing this man through an alley. I think he's got, like, a classic robber swag bag. Uh, he, He's got, like, the trench coat and the hat. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's it's like monochrome, but it's bright neon colors. Uh, Pop art, the, like that great yeah. 60s, really bright psychedelic color uh, that, that you had on the actual show, which is just like really oh, yeah. hot. Yeah. And, and then we have like our, our cast. Uh, so we've got Batman like slinking up, using his cape as a uh, as like wings and then just kind of stopping and looking at the camera. With this look that says, yes, I know this is silly. The amazing Adam West. He's so Uh, good in this. He is really good at this. His face sells. I I have a lot more appreciation on this viewing for his face does a lot of work under that mask. His chin does an incredible amount of work. Just his mouth and his eyes. Uh, And yeah, like it's he's fatally good at this. Like it ruined his career. How good he is at this. Yeah, to the point where they think that the Adam West character from Family Guy is what he's really like. Uh, yeah, like he he kind of had to ultimately do that to sort of rehabilitate his image. Like people just thought he was a bad actor, but like but he's he was so good. He's like a brilliant comic actor. Like he he's just he's not stiff. Like he's playing a, a role. Like he's basically doing the same thing Kirk does, or Shatner <laughs> does as Kirk. Actually, it's yeah, very, very similar slow. kind of performance. <laughs> uh, and and similarly campy. Like, I, I think Adam West uh, does it campier and, like, intentionally is leaning further into it because he's very aware of how silly everything he's saying is. Like, you can see in his eyes the, the twinkle of his awareness of how silly some of these things are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then... The next one we have, of course, is Robin, uh, who, you know, 
does like a typical just superhero like comes in and looks at the camera all dramatic like uh, played by Burt Ward in his flesh colored leggings. <laughs> Aren't those creepy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, he had to wear them because his his actual legs were way too hairy, and he didn't want to shave them. <laughs> Uh, speaking of people who didn't want to shave for the past, oh, Cesar. <laughs> Cesar Romero. He's not the next one, but, oh, uh, that but mustache he, he comes under up. The paint. Yeah. <laughs> mustache under the paint because he didn't want to shave it. He's just, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> so they just painted over it. Uh, he plays, of course, the Joker. The Joker. Um, one of the great versions of the Joker. A great version of the Joker, but in this movie, he does nothing. He's kind of just there because they had to have the Joker in it. Yeah. You, you know what he reminds me of in this movie? He reminds me of the cat from Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally see that. He's got very similar uh, taste in outfits. Yeah, he he doesn't seem at all bothered by anything that's happening. He thinks it's all fun. He's uh, having a great time this whole he's, movie. He's, he's having a blast. I, I think that's my favorite thing about the 60s Batman in general, but like especially in this movie, is that every single one of the bad guys is having a really good time doing this thing. Like their thing is doing crimes and they're having a lot of fun doing crimes. Like that, <laughs> uh, that's just what they do. It's their favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, slinking up against the brick wall, we have Lee Merriweather as Catwoman. Hot. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. ridiculously hot Uh, i I don't like her pointy bra but otherwise yeah yeah fair fair uh but i just lee merriweather is awesome i i really love her as kitka her playing the airheaded (laughs) uh russian agent uh russian reporter photographer yeah yeah what she's supposed to be right Um, kitka which uh the world's greatest detective does not see through not not even slightly not even a little bit (laughs) because like in her costume she doesn't even like have a mask really (laughs) come on yeah she most of the time she doesn't wear it yeah she just has that little diamond mask uh we have and the kitty ears uh oh and also as they're as the villains are coming by each one of them has a little like a little mini theme song that plays. Hell this yeah. is something that this is actually the first time when I was watching this as a kid. This is the first time I realized you could do that. You could just have a little song play for every single character that comes by whenever they do something. Like Joker's got that. <laughs> and uh, the penguins got it. His is beautiful. His is. <laughs> of course. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's it's got that kind of penguiny movement. But Burgess Meredith is so fucking great as the penguin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, for my money, the greatest penguin ever. Well, there's, there's not that many of them, but he is, to me, he is what the penguin is. Like, I, I dig the Burton one, but it's very gross. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it was done pretty well on the animated series. Did, did the animated the series was... Oh, the, oh, they did the penguin. He I had the did. mutated limbs, but he right. wasn't gross. He was dignified. Right, but also, yes. But still shunned. Right, and, and his thing was umbrellas again, rather than yeah. being a, a gross penguin monster that lived in the sewer. Although DeVito used umbrellas, too. Oh, yeah, I guess there were some umbrellas. That's a very strange movie. Very <laughs> really strange movie. And Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. My number one favorite. 
Oh, he's so good. Gorshin is the best. Gorshin is just incredible as the Riddler. Like, he is just at the highest level of excitement at all times. Like, he is just vibing with everything going on. He's like, I'm going to just tell everyone about this soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait to tattle. <laughs> There's a scene, it's like, I'm going to throw, I'm going to shoot a riddle rocket at him. It's like, why do you want to sh- sh- throw riddles at him? He's just going to solve them and find out where we are. But I must. Confounding Batman is the reason for my existence. It's like, that's how I get off. I know that you guys get off on the other crime stuff, but I, I get off on the tattling. I can't help it. They're like, <laughs> all right, all right. Point taken. This is, that's, that's, that is part of our criminal enterprise. This is all four kicks. <laughs> yeah. And then we have our also featurings, which is, you know, Chief O'Hara, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, oh, Chief whatever. O'Hara. Very useless. <laughs> <laughs> More useless than Gordon is. He Somehow. To fail at the stuff that they can't show Gordon failing at. Yeah, he he's the one to just be the dumbest person in the room that, like, things can be explained to, that... Uh, he he can like be contrasted to someone like make a Gordon look competent by, by comparison. Yeah. Um, so we've got our narrator too, uh, narrating about this yacht that's coming by. That's uh, holding that's uh, one of the passengers is Commodore Schmidlap of Big Ben Dis- uh, Distilleries uh, from England. You know, Pip Pip. Uh, yeah, uh, the the great Reginald Denny. Oh, I don't know him, actually. Uh, like, classic British actor. He was in just everything. Like, he he, he was born in, like, the, the 19th century, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he, he was in, like, 200 movies. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, was his final movie. Oh, wow. Hmm. Uh, an interesting conclusion to a storied career. Inter- interesting indeed, because... This character is a jo- this character is a walking joke. Very very silly. He's like uh, almost a Mr. Magoo. He he's basically like Mr. Magoo as as like a, a Batman character. Yeah, if if Mr. Magoo was taken hostage by the Joker. Yeah. Uh yeah. So the the narration explains that uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, or no, Bruce Wayne and his youthful war Dick Grayson are rushing back to stately Wayne Manor because they received an anonymous tip that Commodore Schmidtlap is in danger. But as they have done many times before, they get into their crime-fighting ro- outfits as the masked vigilantes Batman and Robin. And, of course, we've got, like, the classic... Um, uh, oh, um, under the the button under the head of the bust, which slides the bookshelf out the way with the clearly labeled bat poles. Love the bat poles. I love and, the yeah. labeling. I, I love how much Everything branding is there labeled. is. Yes. There's just labels on absolutely every single thing, and they all have the word bat included. Yeah, yeah. Um, bat spectral, analy- uh, spectral analyzer. <laughs> uh, the bat molecular recomp recombinator the bat ladder <laughs> uh, of course the 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 classic bat shark repellent oh up. yeah that, that's <laughs> uh, the bat deus ex machina yeah 
so yeah, you, you know, they do the, the, he hits the quick change switch on the way down, uh, which I guess he has to do that every time. Imagine if he just didn't and it was just, and then he'd have to go all the way back up. Yeah, I mean, I assume he has to do that because it's it's probably something in place. So if he wants to just like hang out in the Batcave in just like his civvies, he doesn't need to like Batman up just to use the computer. Yeah, well. And and what if it's this and, Batman and, would? And and what if it's uh, uh, Alfred coming down? He doesn't. Oh, Alfred uses put the on service a elevator. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I guess they could technically use the service elevator if they really wanted to. They could. But um, this is more dramatic. Yeah, and this so, is how they put their costumes on. Yeah, this is how they put their costumes on. They get in the Batmobile, which is classic. Great. Um, I, I don't care what anyone says. This is the best Batmobile. Agreed. Best Batmobile ever. Just that red piping. Uh, and then like. Uh, it's it's just so elegant and it's a real car, you know. Yeah, not like, uh, not like the. Uh, I mean, I like the design of the Burton Batmobile. It's a toy, uh, but it's it's a it's toy. very toyetic. Uh, like I I remember very distinctly the toy of it that very accurately represented it because it's made to be something that like comes apart and is a toy that has various play yes. features. Um, and, and then the Nolan Batmobile is just a military vehicle painted it's, black. It's just a tank. Uh, I mean, like it has some special features. And then, of course, in Dark Knight, you've got uh, the the one with the detachable bat cycle, the bat yeah. pod. Oh, hit I me. love that moment. Hit me. <laughs> I want you to hit me. Uh, I mean, that is still the best Joker. But I mean, there's so much competition because there's a lot of great Jokers over the years. There's more good Jokers than bad Jokers, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't even seen several of them. <laughs> I like I, I've I, I haven't seen anything since that one with Joker, I think. Oh, yeah. Right. Because there was the Jared Leto Joker. There was the, I have not um, seen any of those. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the Joker. Right, I haven't seen that yet either. Although I, I need to get to that one soon. Yeah, that one's supposed to be really good. Yeah. So the he takes the Batmobile to the airport where he's got to get on the Bat helicopter. And he's got like a whole Bat hangar with Bat, bat staff. Copter. Yeah, the Bat copter, sorry, bat not copter. Bat helicopter. <laughs> you know, with Bat staff and he can like just bypass air traffic control. They'll just listen to him because he's Batman. He's licensed. Like, it, it, this is the really bizarre thing about the way Batman works in the 60s TV series that, like, he is sort of an agent of the police. He is a duly de- deputized duly law deputized. enforcement. Uh, yeah, to which they make a point to mention every single episode. Yeah, because so, they, 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 they don't That's want like... people doing this. Well, it's a standards and practices thing. Like, vigilantism is not something that you can like say is okay on tv of all places yeah i think you can maybe start to get away with that around this time in movies because it's like mid to late 60s things are kind of starting to loosen up with the actually yeah i don't know if they use that phrase in the movie i don't think they do and that's why that's why i'm saying at the beginning on with the chalk writing it kind of comes out like 
yeah, vigilantism is fucking rad. <laughs> it's fucking rad, but we aren't going to say it again. And we yep. aren't going to say it more clear than this. We're, we're just going to write it on this wall here. No one's saying anything. We can't say that we said a thing. We just took a, Some, we hey, just snapped a shot of a wall that happened to have that written on it. We're we're showing this opening where there's graffiti on walls and these criminals lurking. <laughs> Who could have oh, written such a yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. Definitely criminals writing uh, about praising crime fighters. <laughs> <laughs> praising vigilante crime fighters. I mean, that is a criminal. <laughs> uh, well, I guess. Uh, yeah, Unless so, you're duly deputized. So, yeah, he gets on the Batcopter, and we've got, like, this montage of all these people, like, looking up and being like, oh, it sure is great that Batman and Robin are up there doing their job. We've got, like, bikini babes uh, waving at them from a helipad on top of a building, which does not appear to have a pool. So you kind of got to wonder what they're doing there. Did they know Sunday that then. Batman was... Uh, okay. Sunday. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. That's a thing. It's pretty common. Uh, yeah, like that, you're right. That's key in uh, Q, the winged serpent. That's that's uh, what he, what he's feeding on is rooftop sunbathers. I didn't know uh, that was a thing. Oh, it's a great movie. When Quetzalcoatl living in the Chrysler building. It's a oh, giant shit. monster movie set in like, cool. modern day New York. It's awesome. Uh, Larry Cohen, uh, the guy who did the stuff. Great movie. Uh-huh. We'll have to watch it sometime for sure. Yeah, like we've got like cops in like their full like fancy uniforms just looking up and saluting the back copter this is totally a sequence where in the tv series you'd have some celebrity guest like look up and say something make a quip about batman and robin yeah yeah so every single episode of that series had some celebrity guest that just did that like they just like pop their head out a window and comment on something there was a lot of spots where that could happen because, yeah, there is always somebody popping their head on a window or someone being like, oh, I hope Batman sees that bat signal wherever he is. Yeah. Or like, obviously, whenever they climb up a wall, which is. Yeah. Mm, a which one. is pretty much every episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so they take the copter to the yacht in question and uh, it's not there. Batman's going to board it. He's going to get down the bat ladder <laughs> the and bat then hop ladder. onto the yacht. The the bat ladder, which is helpfully labeled as bat ladder. <laughs> it's just a rope ladder. There's nothing bat about ladder. it. I think, yeah, no, it just says bat ladder. Yep. Like it's, it's, he, he just went crazy with the label maker or Alfred just like really had like he got a label maker. It's like a kid who gets a label maker and he just labeled everything. He's just having a great time with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he he climbs down the ladder to get onto the yacht but no it's not there anymore it's a suddenly. hologram it's a hologram and uh, the shark attacks <laughs> and then he, he like just he goes too low and the ladder dips into the water and he comes up with a shark on his leg this the fakest the fakest stupid shark. rubber shark it's so bad and he's like punching it and it sounds like punching rubber well and like it's clearly only hanging on because like he's got it like looped against the rope ladder and is like holding it up to punch at it but (laughs) but uh, fortunately they remember the the bat shark shark repellent. repellent or the shark repellent bat spray 
the yeah the shark repellent bat spray that's right uh and it's it's one of a series of bat sprays of of like a bunch of different repellents like there's a barracuda one i think oh yeah that's right there was like a manta ray thing yeah yeah just got it hanging on the side of the bat copter yeah because you're when you're in the bat copter chasing airborne criminals you're expecting sharks you're gonna run into some sharks barracudas who knows what yeah he has like all these sort of aquatic themed villains i guess it's really just the penguin but he fights the penguin a fair amount like he knows the penguin well enough that like he really easily sees through the man's disguises (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that bit Uh, that's one of my favorite in the movie yeah, so so they do a stunt where Robin has to hand like climb down the ladder and for some reason go upside down to give him the the spray, for you know, just to just to show off. Yeah, and he sprays the shark, which causes it to fall into the water and explode. Kaboom! Somehow. Kaboom! And then we cut to a press conference in Commissioner Gordon's office, where it's like. Or it's like, Batman, what do you say about the uh, about the boat that disappeared? Boats cannot simply disappear. Well, then what happened to it? I stand by my answer. <laughs> He's like, well, it, it, it doesn't happen, so I don't know, man. <laughs> Search like, me. Is it true that Commodore Schmidtlap was on the boat? Please, please, no more questions about the boat. What about that exploding shark? Isn't that fucked up? Well, some poor shark must have swallowed a mine yeah i i feel like uh intentionally like booby trapped shark somehow (laughs) well it is it's a it's a penguin thing right it is a penguin one a a bomb shark that's brad this is like the coolest penguin ever (laughs) (laughs) he's got an exploding octopus later that we also don't really see no, uh, we are told about it off screen. Just like we the, see the explosion from the octopus. Yeah, and there's what like I think there's a friendly porpoise that sacrifices itself at some point that we also do not see. Oh yeah, no, the porpoise isn't one of penguins. No, no, it's, it, it's, it saves them. It is. A, it's noble. The noble. It sacrifices porpoise. its life for Batman. That's right. Uh, so a a hot Russian lady uh, reporter who's so so russian kitka uh, kitka her name is very very long but you can call her kitka it's like i think everybody would like to see what the face of the man behind the mask looks like and everyone's just like oh my god she didn't like super offended i cannot believe you would even ask like <laughs> commissioner gordon is or uh, o'hare is like the nerve of this woman uh, and Kitena Irena Tatania Kerenska Alisov. I'm sure Simple that's name. a normal Russian name. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, mm, sure. Yeah, yeah. I I think she's got like sort of a a a, a Patty is, is it Patty situation? Who's just like married like over oh. and over and over again? <laughs> uh, Selma Terwilliger. So Selma yeah. Huts. McClure, um, Nahasapima Petalon. Nahasapima Petalon, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, it could be that. It could be that. But Batman's like, 
Now, now, she is a stranger to our shores, and while this question is certainly very understandable, it is also impossible to grant. <laughs> it's like, and Gordon's like, they would lose their value as super crime fighters. Why, even we don't know who they are. But they don't get that they're flirting. They're super flirting. Oh, yeah. This is all a game between them. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> this is just some, some weird, like, sexy role play. <laughs> yep. So then when everybody leaves, the press conference is over, everybody leaves the office and they're and leaving Batman, Robin, Chief O'Hare, and Gordon. And it's like, all right, well, we need to find out who's responsible for this. Uh, which super criminals are at large right now? <laughs> <laughs> so Commissioner Gordon uh, pulls out his super criminal computer uh, behind a panel on a wall and it just lists off all the super criminals that are at large right now all posing in front of in like the same studio so when did they when did this photo shoot happen i assume and, like the various times that they've been arrested by batman oh right of course it happens like it they're, they're happen. just at large right now but like they've yeah, had they just, various adventures like they're all very familiar with batman and each other true uh, and like they, <laughs> they have comments about each of them the penguin the feathered foul fiend who something or other Catwoman too the Riddler's out and then they're like well it could be any one of them or all of them. One of them it's fishy what happened to us with the boat uh, <laughs> at sea or fishy like the penguin and it happened at sea 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 for Catwoman for Catwoman which is no. wow that that's a stretch that's, that's a, a stretch. real stretch is They're it all... robin who says that or is Back. it batman cuz like i i do feel like robin does the bigger stretches which is like oh yeah yeah and this uh, yeah. And like batman's like yep definitely that and batman's like that uh, shark was pulling my leg pulling uh. my leg the joker and chief O'Hare's like oh this is quite the sinister riddle <gasps> <laughs> the Riddler. That's something you said, Chief O'Hara. <laughs> yeah, so now they have confirmed with all the evidence available to them that the four of them are teaming up in cahoots. Yeah, they've got this plan with Whitey to uh like distribute this malt liquor that uh will <laughs> Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so this isn't the first time they do this, or this isn't the last time they of do this either. Not. They they do it a lot. So we see uh, we cut to Kitka going to uh, bar the bar fight bar at the down at the docks, and one of the pirates there, because you know the actual pirates, says, "Oh, welcome back, Catwoman," and she's like, "You idiot! Don't say my real name out in public." My, my real name. Catwoman is her real name. Catwoman is her real name. She got her birth certificate changed. Well, like it's that's her full time job is being Catwoman. <laughs> like, yeah, she, she doesn't even have a secret. They don't even have secret identities. No, they're villains. They're just <laughs> villains. That's what they do. The Joker <laughs> yeah. doesn't have an origin. He's just the Joker. <laughs> that's his thing. It's what he's into. Like, come on, they're all wearing fetish outfits. <laughs> yeah. So so we cut to the villain lair, which is just um, 
all a bunch of stuff that they like like basically just <laughs> on a shelf e- yeah each of them has their own little section to themselves yeah uh, like uh, on the bookshelf a book of riddles a book of jokes or, or like a section for riddle books joke books yeah um a section for penguin food, which is like a bunch of aquad aquariums. <laughs> it's just an aquarium with a bunch of fish in it, yeah. And they hate each other. They, they all hate each other, of, and they can't get along. It's really weird, because they're very competitive with each other, and they're all kind of constantly infighting, but it's like a bunch of toddlers who are friends, but have all these really petty feuds. Because, like, yeah. they are still all working together and all kind of have this collaborative plan they're just like they're they're so anti-authority that they can't work with anyone yeah yeah Uh, but they're all scared of catwoman's cat she throws it on the table and that shuts them up and she's like wow you guys are bickering at each other's throats you're worse than the un (laughs) plot point the un (laughs) why why they, maybe we're, or, I mean, sorry, not the UN, United World. Oh, right, that's so weird. It's it's not. It it's it is the UN building, and it, it is, is like, the UN building, but in Gotham, kind of like the Gotham Statue of Liberty. Right, and uh, like they refer to themselves, uh, our our team as the United Underworld. Oh yeah, they've got like this uh, logo that they painted on the side of their their uh, lair, which is just like this octopus you know on the world the world yeah. it's great it's a really great logo <laughs> it's a great logo they spent more time on the logo than on their plan uh yeah so but they they do have a plan because they've got commodore schmidt left prisoner in this ridiculous uh setup they built a room to look like a yacht cabin and they've got one of the henchmen like just outside the window, they got a photo of the sea, and one of the henchmen is just uh, like got a flipper and splashing around in a pool of water and occasionally blowing a foghorn. It's like a, a plot from the TV series Effects, where there's where the <laughs> like Australian effects guy would like kidnap a criminal and pretend that they're like at an airport or something through special effects and like whatever. <laughs> but- but like a Wiley e. Coyote version of that. Yeah. Uh, and I, he, he never knows that he's been kidnapped. He, he just thinks he's on a cruise. Yeah. And he's like, and the Joker's come down to give him his tea. He's like, well, can you tell us? I would like to get to Gotham City at some point. Can you tell us when we're going to get there? Oh, I really can't say. My God, man, you, your skin is pale as a something or other. And Joker's like, yeah, well, you know, um, you're pale as a ghost. Yeah, that's it. All these duties keep me below deck. Also, want to hear how I got this uh, makeup? It's it's weird that like he he is the one who's going to serve this guy because he's the most chaotic of the entire group and also the most absurd looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he doesn't have an incognito mode. No, all of the others do. Yes. Uh, but he does not take that makeup off. Nope. <laughs> it stays on just like the mustache stays on under it. Yeah, but sometimes he'll put the the purple mask over his eyes if he's going to go true. commit a crime, so you can't tell that it's him. <laughs> yeah. Got to put that mask on. 
So uh, back at the Batcave, they're analyzing uh, the photographs taken by the Batcopter of the area. So the camera wasn't fooled by the illusion, but they find in the picture an illegal bell buoy, which must have been used to uh, project the hologram. Must have been. Yeah, I mean, like, what, what else could it be doing? They, they, they're correct. They, 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 they go out correct. to verify. Uh, no, they go out to dust for fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, come on, I, world's greatest detective. How are you going to get fingerprints on a buoy in the sea? Well, he doesn't, because when they get there, he's like, uh, what does he say? Salt and corrosion. The old enemies of fine of the crime fighter will find no prints here. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like he should have maybe thought of that before he went there. I, I, I guess it's it really is more of an excursion. It's like, we know there's a, a holographic projector in there, but let's just go look and see it and make sure that there's a holographic projector there. And, you know, get some fingerprints so that we can so that we can prove that the penguin or whoever was there, I guess, because. Yeah, sure, their prints are all on file. And they, they all wear gloves 24-7. Every single True. one of them does. Yeah, they, they they are all begloved. That's kind of their thing. They all kind of have their own signature glove color. Yeah. They're gentlemen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we see, as they're getting on the bat boat, we see underwater the penguin sub. So cool. I absolutely love the design of the penguin sub. With it, it like, is... it's little footies. Yeah, and, and like the top part looks kind of like a glacier, but it all looks very silly. Like it's not going to camouflage anything. Yeah, like it's a penguin-shaped submarine with like penguin detailing on the front, and like it's got flippers in the back that it uh, its legs. In the back. Which, it's it's amazing, and like you get these cool cutaway shots of it. It's it's quite like uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. I don't remember that. I, I saw that movie. The, but the cutaway uh, stuff? Oh. I just don't remember it that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, but they do find the projector. Mm-hmm. But uh, just in time for the penguin to activate the magnet, the super magnet in the projector, which <laughs> uh, holds Batman and Robin attaching them to the buoy through the metallic objects of their utility belts. Oh no, they're trapped. They're trapped, and uh, the penguin is going to fire his torpedoes at them. But somehow, Batman is able to fish the bat transmitter out of the utility belt and reverse the polarity to uh, blow up the first two torpedoes. And Penguin, of course, is like, ah, he must have a, he must be using a bat reverse energy transmitter polarizer. Sure. <laughs> he must be. Well, he is, but you know, the fact that they just are able to figure out what each other is doing so quickly all the time. They've been doing this for years. Like this is their (laughs) whole thing. This is like how all of them like have fun. And it's also their job. Uh, Yeah. But the third torpedo is coming in. Confound it. The batteries are dead, but it explodes just before the buoy. And as they're driving away on the boat, we later learn it's because of the nobility of the almost human porpoise. This like I the the moment before they are are before the porpoise sacrifices itself uh, nobly for them, this would totally be the moment where 
an episode of the TV series would end. Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, in <clears> fact, <throat> the timer on this is like this is structured so that you could tell the movie so that you could fit the movie into three episodes because right around here it would be like can batman and robin escape the third torpedo tune in next time same bat time same bat channel and it'd be making the danger music yeah like will the dynamic duo get out of this one uh and uh like i i do remember this airing quite a bit on tv as a kid like it because it it perfect like it was designed to perfectly fit a two hour block of television with commercials because it's like an hour forty so with twenty minutes of commercials mixed in yeah. there it's sort of a perfect fit for it and like they planned that out so oh, like, yes the commercial breaks exist in the movie but like not in a way <laughs> that they like feel obtrusive that they kind of do when you see an actual TV movie it's just like they kind of knew that it was going going to ultimately be destined for a lot of TV play and kind of set it up in a similar fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so they get saved by Porpoise X Machina. Of course. And Batman phones the Pentagon. He's like, Navy Department, please. And the Navy Department of the Pentagon is one guy and a girl playing tiddlywinks. Because the U.S. Navy didn't have anything to do with the 1960s. And that guy is like a dope, right? Oh, he's, this guy's He's he's the dope who who like did I do wrong, Batman? <laughs> yeah, basically that's what it is. It's like um <laughs> Admiral, have you sold any war surplus submarines lately? And he's like, Oh, let me just look it up. And he checks his Rolodex. It's like, Yes, I sold one to a PN Gwyn. The Penguin. <laughs> PN Gwyn. Did he he leave an address? (laughs) Oh, he didn't leave an address, but he did leave a post office box. Would you like it? No, Admiral, you've been very helpful. And this is this. I love this part because he's like, oh, your tone is kind of grim, Batman. We didn't do something foolish, did we? (laughs) And Batman just says, disposing of pre-atomic submarines to persons who don't leave their full address. Goodbye, Admiral. Like, and his just, face when he like Adam West's face here, just throwing just, shade, throwing yeah. serious shade. Uh, like it's the dumbest thing imaginable. Like you, you, you sold a nuclear submarine to just like some dude. You didn't even get his address. Do you have any superiors? No. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, it's it's a funny parallel because Commissioner Gordon sold a. Uh, Right. Or basically sold policemanship to someone who won't take off their mask. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty self-aware there. Oh, yeah, completely. Uh, it, it's just like, it, it does feel like a really weird and wonky government that exists in <laughs> the Batman universe here. Like, Oh, yeah. It, it's... It's not corrupt. It's just idiots all the way up. Like everybody is an incompetent dolt. Yep. And like that goes right up to everybody in the UN. Oh yeah, the UN is stupid as shit in this. It's like an Animaniacs joke about the UN. Like <laughs> anytime they show up <laughs> oh they're, God, they're just is. all caricatures and they're all just yelling at each other and like nonstop without 
any kind no of pause, discussion. No, no, no discussion happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after he gets off the phone with the Pentagon, the missile gets launched from the Penguin sub, a Polaris missile, because apparently they can launch sea to air missiles out of this thing. I mean, it is just a straight up uh, like stock footage of a Polaris missile <laughs> oh, reused yes. from the war. Reused uh, like three or four times. A few times, yeah. Yeah, and it writes two riddles in the sky. What does a turkey do when it flies upside down? It gobbles oh, up. It gobbles up, of course, obviously. <laughs> and what is very small sits in a tree and is very dangerous? A sparrow with a machine gun. Duh. <laughs> but then if you combine the riddles uh what would gobble up a bird in a tree a cat and chief o'hara is like heaven protect us oh glory dear. and it's like so they've got the penguin sub they they say that the riddles are like jokes and then yeah. we, we know that the cat's involved uh, so it's like, well, what could their goal be to take over Gotham City? Only that would only be the case if it was two of them. It's just well, they're 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 like toddlers because they're <laughs> rediscovering the same thing that they discovered like five scenes ago. And they're like, wait a second. This plot involves this person and this person and this person and this person well, like did we just do this 20 minutes ago did this before but it was very tenuous because we, that was like c is for catwoman it, it was here before the commercial it, it was before the the episode break <laughs> so oh, they needed to do it again oh shit <laughs> oh you're absolutely right uh, so yeah so they determined that if it was three of them, their goal would be to take over the country. But since it's all four, their goal must be to take over the world. <sighs> and uh, good luck, guys. What's next? They're going to ask for a million dollars. Well, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> so we come back to the, vil the villain lair uh, where they're discussing their next plan, where they're going to have a jack-in-the-box that is going to fling Batman through the window into <laughs> the Penguin's exploding octopus. And uh, a riddle will trigger the jack-in-the-box and Catwoman will be the bait. Yeah, they, they all get to be involved. And they, they, they get to kill Batman by just like everybody gets a piece. Like we all get a slice. Yeah, so... Everyone's uh, gimmick. <laughs> yeah everyone's gimmick has to be involved they got to figure out a way to get everyone in on this yeah uh so yeah the plan is to uh kidnap uh kitka or catwoman pretend will to, to will yeah. disguise herself as kitka and use herself and some random millionaire as bait Schmidlap. to well, not not Schmidlap. Uh, no, they're going to oh, kidnap Bruce Wayne. Person. Right, right. They're going to kidnap Bruce Wayne and use him as bait to get Batman over here. You fools! <laughs> oh, what a conundrum! I mean, what a coincidence, honestly. But well, coincidence no is extremely important in this movie. Coincidence oh. comes up a lot. Oh yes. I mean, the porpoise. <laughs> yeah. The, the the bomb later. 
Yeah, so we cut to her immediately talking to Bruce Wayne uh, about these riddles that she received under the door of her hotel room. And Bruce Wayne's like, let's discuss this riddle over dinner. <laughs> yeah, some, uh, some important bat sexy time. Yeah, so uh, they, they, they meet up, Batman and Robin meet up to discuss uh, the riddles that Kitka received. What is yellow and what is yellow and rights? A ballpoint banana. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a little abstract at this point. What kind of people are always in a hurry? Russians. Russians. That one's yeah. This ballpoint is... banana is like again, it's a three-year-old joke. Like it's it's a joke that like a toddler makes. It, it, yeah. it does really operate at a toddler level, and I feel very intentionally so. Oh yes, for sure. So <laughs> clearly, the plan is that the villains are going to have. Kitka slip on a banana peel and break her neck. This is the only possible interpretation. This is a threat on Kitka's life. Which, to be fair, does sound like something maybe the Joker would do for laughs. Oh, this a Joker. Have, him, have them slip on a banana peel. Yeah. And then he'd laugh and they'd fall. <laughs> Nobody would break their necks. And then they'd get up and na 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 pow, zap. I mean, people do die in this, but they kind of die in like They die in weird abstract ways. Because uh, like a bunch of henchmen <laughs> die in this. It's just yeah. they, they, it's they are vaporized. It's arguably not an on-screen death. Um, I mean, it's literally on-screen, but they just explode into nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so the plan is Bruce Wayne's going to go out on his date, and Robin and Alfred are going to follow behind in the Batmobile. Because <laughs> oh, Robin can't drive; he's too young. Yep. Uh, so and Alfred's got his driving got his costume. domino mask. His domino mask with his Alfred glasses over top of it, and, and the hat, and it's like. Somebody His dark Alfred them. chauffeur's outfit. He's yeah. dark Alfred. The Alfred of the night. Yes, sir. I'm your tea, sir. It's called Alfred. How could you do this? Oh, you're dark Alfred, aren't you? Yes, sir, you know, I am. You know what would have been rad if we got some like Michael Caine as uh, as like. In in his version of this, with like him with a, a domino mask, but and like a chauffeur's outfit, but like a dark, <laughs> like sort of leathery one, and like the Nolan version of this, but like Michael Caine. Uh, I, I I would like to see that. That would be great. Oh man, <laughs> we, we missed out on like so many things with uh, uh the '66 Batman being like so thoroughly disowned that it's only kind of starting to creep back into the good graces. Yeah, only in like the last decade or so, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we see we see their date. Uh, they're at a restaurant where one of the pirates is violining, and then they go to this weird uh club sort of thing where there's this French singer and they dance. Uh, very art house weirdness. Yep. Psychedelic uh, swing in sixties. They're they're having fun with it. And then they're they're getting on this horse wagon, and it's like, Robin's like, wow, is I know what I'll do uh, to go the villains into making move. I'll get Commissioner Gordon to uh, flash the bat signal. I'll make a unilateral decision. Batman loves when I do that. 
<laughs> so, so there's the bat signal, and uh, Batman's like, oh, uh, yes, that is the bat signal. Batman and Robin will see that and run to wherever the crime is. And Batman, of course, realizes what Robin's doing. He's, you know, tr- trying to <laughs> convince them that convince the villains that Batman and, and Robin are away doing something else so that mm. they'll s- spring the very obvious trap that they're setting. Right. And Kitka's got like this little kitten charm she pulls out of her purse. That's also a transmitter that she's like flashing Morse code with to the villains. Well, Batman's like, we need to tear down this curtain between our nations. And he's like really weird Cold War euphemisms for sex that are also like so tame that it's you really have to stretch your imagination to realize that that's what it is. But it is open the dam for reconciliation. Uh, What's the other one? Oh, (laughs) yeah, right. Uh, Um, I'm going to find it right now. Open the dam to reunification. Oh, something about. Uh, You have breached our tragic history of division and disgrace. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, I knew it was something like with like a powerful word, like blessing or disgrace or something like that. (laughs) But sexy like in this case, right? Because like he's trying to get into her pants. Yeah. The Iron Curtain. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so so they go back to uh, her hotel room and uh, they make out and Robin just looks furious at the screen watching this happen. (laughs) I'm going to turn this off, you know. It's the decent thing to do, which is uh, which which is why he is unable to see that Batman gets kidnapped. <laughs> so we cut to the villains on these on these flying umbrellas. I love these things. These are great. The, these are obviously a penguin thing. Oh, yeah. But like they're riding them like witches broomsticks through the night sky. They're they're rocket umbrellas. They're amazing. They are awesome. And I want one. Bruce Wayne uh, spouts poetry at uh, like Edgar Allan Poe or something at uh, Kitka when she comes back with her sexy robe on. Mm. And and then he's like, Miss Kitka, I fear I'm about to be utterly and madly carried away. And right <laughs> on cue, the villains break in through the window and they have a fight. But of course, he's not wearing his Batman costume, so he can't beat them. Well, he he can't exert himself enough so that they can realize that he's Batman. Like, yeah, exactly. If he's able to beat men, they'll know. Yeah. So he so they kick his ass and and the 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 newspaper headlines will say, say Bruce Wayne and attractive girl kidnapped. (laughs) Her name's too long to put in the paper. That's fair. Uh, and yeah, Robin and Alfred, of course, didn't see it so that when they turned the TV back on, everybody was gone and the hotel room was uh, completely uh, not like a fight didn't happen in there. And also, I noticed the curtains on the hotel room look exactly like the curtains where they all or all the villains had their mugshot in the supercomputer uh, scene. Hmm. Maybe they used the same set. Maybe. So they're in the villain there, and Bruce Wayne's like, where is Kitka? I swear, if you've done anything to her, I'll kill you. Just, like, really playing up the uh, indignant millionaire thing. Yeah. Uh, so they 
<laughs> they take him to uh, the prison cell, which is really just Catwoman's bedroom, but she's like tied up there. Yeah, she she has like pre-tied herself up to uh, pretend to be Kitka again. Like they, it's it's incredible how long it takes him. He is. Oh, he doesn't find out until after the final fight. He he finds out during the final fight. Yeah, it's in the midst yeah. of it. Because he has like that moment of realization uh, during the fight. Like he has to pause and like it zooms in on his face. And then he has to go back to continuing the final fight. <laughs> but yeah, like like her cell, quote unquote, is so nice that it's obviously just her bedroom. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he's like, I have a transmitter in my sleeve. Uh, can Can you just reach in and get it? So then uh, the villains take him out because they were listening in and they untie him to get the transmitter. And he's like, you fools, I knew you were listening in. I have no transmitter. And then they fight some more. Yeah. Uh, and the thug sets off the stupid jack in the box and uh, flies through the window and lands in the arms of the exploding octopus. So I guess he died. I guess so. I And I, I love that we do get to see this thing happen like i i'm so happy that we at least get to see someone trigger it because we know it can't happen to batman yeah or or if it does he'll just have to you know evade the octopus somehow but no we i get to see the whole thing yeah I, I feel like it has to go that way because it's been described to us and that's too cool not to actually give us like you you gotta have the actual scene where that happens so it's it's great to just have a, a henchman get fucking rocket launched into an exploding octopus. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So so Bruce Wayne is able to escape through the window uh, that the henchman broke. So it's time for the villains to come up with a new plan. Uh, but this one is eh, maybe it's a bit better than their last one. They're, the Penguin's got a plan to convince Batman to take him right to the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> but first they have to demonstrate the uh the device that they got from commodore schmidt lab they describe it as a whiskey maker that they're that they're putting to more practical use what it is it's it's a dehydrator that takes all the moisture out of a person and just turns them into dust yeah uh, but uh which uh, it, it it sort of touches on a, a star trek thing of like the the transporter uh dilemma but it's it is existentially it horrifying it, it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so so they've got their uh, their five guinea pigs, guinea pig one through five, uh, as written on their shirts, which are just more GP, thugs. GP one, yep. GP two. Yeah. And it works like a charm. It turns them into dust, which Catwoman uh, sweeps up into dustpans. And then puts them into these test tubes. And you got to imagine, so much dust probably is not present in the test tubes. They're definitely not getting all of them. And like, I mean, it's, their it's clothes in a are mixed in there. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> yeah. just like on a floor in a submarine. And like, they're, they're just using like a dustpan and a whisk broom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's they did it over a carpet too. So I mean, yeah. half the dust is in the carpet. Uh, so like, even 
even with the the way they accidentally get hydrated the wrong way, I feel like these guys aren't going to get put together quite right, and it's not going to be good for them. No, no. But it's okay because uh, they're all going to explode. <laughs> well, yeah. Later. Yeah, later. Um, so uh, now, now that Batman, because Bruce Wayne escaped from there, now that they know where the villain hideout is, uh, it's time to go and take the fight to them. Uh, but they, they uh, back climb up the outside wall. And this is the beginning of a recurring thing that happens in the TV show of their long uh, climbing sequences where they just turn the camera sideways and somebody comes out the window and says, hey, Batman, how's it going? They have a little chat. Yeah, usually it would be a celebrity guest. Yeah. Uh, here they just uh, comment on it. It's like, wow, what do you – how come nobody thought it was odd that they're seeing all these different costumed freaks in this uh, – running around this place? Well, Robin, this is a low neighborhood in a bad part of town. Most of these people probably attribute, it, attribute what they're seeing to liquor-induced hallucinations. Golly gee, Batman, I'd rather die than not be able to trust my eyes. Yeah, the, it, drinking very, sure is a filthy thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny that it, it's a drinking, but like they're really more talking about psychedelics use where this oh, is a yes. show that's so psychedelic and so leaning into it and very tongue in cheek about all that shit. But like. Uh, I this I guess is where they find the bomb, is it not? This is where we find the bomb. They get in, but the villains are gone, and it's just the bomb. And a big, ridiculous, like classic cartoon black bomb with a wick. Oh yeah, it's it's like a Wiley e. Coyote bomb. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Batman takes it out the window, uh, or no, he you know he goes. Down through the bar fight bar and tells everybody to leave. Everybody get out. I've got a bomb. But, <laughs> but there's these two uh, these these two fat women with like this huge pile of food on their uh, tables. They won't I th- leave. I think. Yeah, I, I think it's like two either two huge mounds of spaghetti or two huge ice cream sundaes. I can't no, remember it's which. Like, it's a bunch of different things. Oh, okay. Like lots of food. Like but a yeah, bunch of meat, a spaghetti. Yeah, yeah they're, they're the only ones there. who don't leave. So Batman's got to leave because he can't blow them up. No. So, uh, <laughs> so every time he's like trying to throw the bomb into the – or like go somewhere where there's no people, he sees like a marching band or some nuns. Salvation Army band. Oh, yeah. And uh, or or a lady with a crib. So he like tries to throw it into the water and there's a boat passing underneath <laughs> with people making out. So and he then tries... <laughs> the other day, there's little wooden ducks, little but they ducks. put a quacking sound on it. But they're, they're obviously <laughs> fake wooden ducks. That's my favorite. Uh, the, the, like, I, I think that's the one where he finally turns to camera. Yeah, that's he says. You just you can't just get, can't rid, get of rid of a bomb. Brilliant, brilliant! Like one of the most perfect scenes of comic escalation ever. Uh, because he's—it's so ridiculous. You've got like this man with spandex and a cape, holding like this huge cartoon bomb over his head, very like running very dramatically through this crowded, busy port. And, and he just, keeps running into the same people. Like he—he's yeah. running all over the place, and like he—he he runs into 
the Salvation Army Band several times. There's one part where like they cross a, a bridge and like he's already gone that way and run to the end there. And I think that's maybe where he sees the the people making out of the boat. And he comes back and like he has to very carefully squeeze by them like laterally to just like holding <laughs> yeah. it up above his head because there's like a bunch of them with a, a whole brass band that like are going across a bridge and he you know heads back the other way. He's like, oh yeah, it's it's like Bart on the the Cape Fear parody. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, oh right. yeah, the alligator. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the bomb explodes just off screen. Of course. And Robin's like, I can't believe you risked your life to save the, the drunken riffraff at the bar. Uh, they may have been human trash, but they were still humans and could potentially still be salvaged, Robin. Very weird. Just really, uh, just like, fuck you people who drink. Well, like, it's it's their sort of very weird nod to the way Batman supposedly never kills. Uh, mm. And, like, they, they just sort of do it like, even though he's always fighting these weird super criminals, obviously he never finally stops them. He's never going to kill them. This is just sort of a, a weird play school game they're all having. Well, like the Venture Brothers villain thing, like the, the the whole hero villain guild setup with Venture Brothers, I was all just play acting. And that feels very inspired by the way the villains interact in this specifically, mm-hmm. because this, this is a little bit more self-aware, whereas like the, the actual comics at this time were just playing this really straight and just were very bad. <laughs> like this is a, a, a bad era for DC comics. Yeah. Well, although this also isn't really a genre where you kill like this Batman anyway, isn't really a genre where people die. Or except they do, but it's just except henchmen. they do, but you just, you just don't kinda... kill off main characters that you want to have come back and have fun with again. Yeah, and I kind of so... think that's the perfect method. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that that's that is like one of the key problems with the Marvel method is they kind of kill off every interesting villain in their first appearance, and uh, almost none of them get to actually develop as characters and recur. Yeah, like you can't. And, like, one of the things in the comic books is you always have different combinations of team-ups, and in the yeah. movies you just can't anymore. Yeah, you, you got to just have one, and they've always got to be the biggest threat of all time. <laughs> Give me a team-up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, after they finally get rid of the bomb, uh, it's I didn't penguin. write down what they actually did. Yeah, so Commodore Schmidtlap shows up, and he's like, hey, Batman and Robin, quack, quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> and they like just sort of like turn away they and like have their little I, I chat. Like, They're like, that is obviously the penguin. I, I love that they humor him for a moment. They they like listen to him, he does his whole introduction. They're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, right. And then like uh sidebar. And uh, like they kind of lean in. Robin. Yeah, they... this is obviously the penguin. It's like definitely Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, we can confirm that you are who you say you are by by taking your fingerprints. And he's like, oh, well, I lost my fingerprints in a distillery accident. So like, they've oh. all been burned off. Oh, drat. And <laughs> like, the penguin. Oh, it's bulletproof. 
<laughs> and the penguin says to him, but don't you have a retinal scanner in your fancy back cave? We do. We could use that to verify his identity. And they're like, well, obviously he just wants to get into the Batcave, but let's just play out the string a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, let's see where this goes. So, so you know, they have to put him asleep, of course. Otherwise, otherwise he'll know where. Otherwise, he'll know that the cave is directly under Stately Wayne Manor. And of course, uh, um, carrying he he's carrying with him the the five vials, which are the dust of the henchmen. Yes. So, so when he wakes up, he's like, quack, quack, quack. I mean, pip, pip. <laughs> well, now, I sure am parched. You wouldn't happen to have any water, would you? Uh, yes, the bat drinking water dispenser over there. It's clearly labeled. And it is like I, Alfred went crazy with the label maker. Everything is very clearly labeled. But I guess Penguin does have bad eyesight. Maybe that's why he normally has the monocle. Because he oh, he he misses it. He he gets he no, uses the he, wrong water. Well, he the tube with the test the tube that he uh, uses to attach to the faucet and hit the test tube hits a switch in the drinking water dispenser, which causes it to disper, dispense heavy water instead, which is what they use to cool their atomic uh, shit. It comes the, the out of the same tap as the drinking water. Yeah, the, the Batcave is atomic-powered uh, because, uh -huh. you know, the 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 Batmobile is also atomic-powered. Turbines to Oh, speak. yes. Yeah, uh, that's right. So, yeah, it's it's how they, you know, power the Batmobile. It's their atomic uh, vehicle. How is it attached to the exact same spigot as the drinking water? That's ridiculous. That is absurd. And it's There's, just like a lever. It's so there dumb. should be no way that, like, you'd be possibly mixing those two up. That's uh real safety oversight in the Batcave. But the Batcave has a lot of safety oversights. I'm very sure in like the first or second episode there's a thing where uh, like a villain or a gangster's mall type lady, uh, a femme fatale falls into the atomic pile in, oh, that in one of the be. early episodes. I I distinctly remember watching some of the first few and was like, "Holy shit, someone fell in an atomic pile and died and they were like kind of a sympathetic villain character." <laughs> It's very weird. But uh, yeah, so he attaches the spigot to the uh, to the drinking water. And, and yeah, in his defense, he was not expecting uh, atomic wastewater to come out of that tap, even if he did hit the switch by mistake. Yeah. Because um, you don't expect that. No. But five goons have appeared in the Batcave. Gasp. Somehow they they all appear, but like they're super uh, unstable and they just super explode unstable. on contact. Well, they don't even expo explode. It makes an explosion sound, but they just disappear. Yeah, they they turn into nothing. They explode into atoms. They are reduced to the the atomic water uh, mixed with their mixed their atoms basically reduces them to antimatter. So Robin's like. So they won't come back, and Batman's like, not in this universe. That's frightening. That is that, actually, that is like, yes. That, that's one of the most bleak and disturbing ways a character has died in a movie. <laughs> like, just layers of, of disturbing stuff. They were, like, dehydrated down into a dust and then rehydrated back with atomic water and exploded and, and, when struck. 
probably not all of their Darth dust pedicle particles present. Yeah, and just like turned into nothing, like uh, struck and like for them either they they disintegrate or they're knocked into another reality. <laughs> yeah, um into some sort of mega reality of antimatter. Oh my god, I wonder if they got knocked into like the Bizarro world or the Snyderverse or the negative zone, which is Marvel. Oh yeah, that's course. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or the is the Bizarro world also a thing? I uh, in yeah, that's a DC thing, but that's okay. like this that's a Superman thing because Super or Bizarro is just Superman but if he was dumb. Okay. He was a dumb monster. Was... Right, right. <laughs> There, there is kind of a Batman corollary to that. There's the Batmite, who's like, if Batman were like a tiny chibi version of himself. What? Basically. <laughs> okay, okay. So after the goons implode on themselves, basically, <laughs> they, <laughs> the penguins like clinging for dear life onto a ladder. And they're like, nah, nah, Commodore Schmidtlap, we know you were hypnotized by the villains into doing this, and you rehydrated the goons because of post-hypnotic suggestion. And he's like, I was? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> that, that's what happened, yeah. Well, we're going to take you back to um, where we found you. This obviously didn't work out, but, uh, you know. So they put him in the Batmobile, and then they're like, oh, no, it's stalled in the middle of the road. And the penguin wakes up, gasses them with his umbrella, but fortunately Batman just made Robin take a pill without telling him what it was. Which I wonder how often this happens. Robin, take this pill. Okay. I would have to imagine quite often. Uh, <sighs> that, that seems like like it, it is so unquestioned, so just a thing like, yep, that's that is like a thing I do every day. Take <laughs> this, Robin. Like you got it. It it protects against penguin gas. It does. Uh, uh, because which, this was all a long con to for them to follow Penguin because they knew he would show his hand. Yeah, so he, he knocks them out, steals the Batmobile, but they parked right by where the Bat Cycle is. Yeah. So so they're going to follow the Batmobile to the, to the villain's new hideout, which is, you know, the submarine. Yeah, like the same hideout that they already have like sort of known about yeah but they, they just don't, don't know, know where, where it docks is. But, like it you know it's it it moves around <laughs> yeah um yeah so uh cut to the inside the submarine the riddler is like i'm gonna send out this is where i was talking about before where it's like i'm gonna send out some more riddles and Catwoman's was like <laughs> why would you do that they're just gonna solve your riddles immediately and then find us like if they're alive that's more reason to not send out riddles He's like, don't you get it? That's my kink. I must. This is the whole reason I'm here. If if I can't send out riddles, why do you even have me? It's like, okay, fine. Yeah, uh, it's it's like uh, D and Dennis, and then I was like, are you getting off? I'm like, I'm getting off so much right now. It's like I don't (laughs) get it. (laughs) Like, oh, this is doing it for me. So uh, so Batman and Robin are chasing them in the Batcopter. Uh, they took the Bat cycle to the airport, and they detached the Bat go-kart from the sidecar just so that Robin could get to the other side of the Batcopter. That's the only reason they did it. And I think, So he wouldn't have to walk around. You know why I think they did it is to build in that functionality so they could use it on the show. Oh, <laughs> props to them if they did. 
I think so. That's some, that's some good foresight. Um, so uh, the next Polaris missile comes from the submarine, which is the exact same footage, but it grazed the bat copter and uh, knocked out their bat, their rear propeller. And Riddler's like, oh, shit, I actually got them. I just wanted to send out a riddle. But they, they land in like a pillow uh, pile, right? Uh, the foam rubber the foam wholesalers rub- convention. Foam rubber wholesalers convention, yeah. The odds of this happening are so slim that it that it does not bear contemplating. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember how these riddles lead them to the UN, but it's like, what goes up white and comes down yellow and white? An egg. And mm-hmm. how do you share 16 apples with 17 people? Make applesauce. Make applesauce. And I, I, it happened too quickly, so I couldn't write it down. But somehow this leads them to the UN. Doing yeah. their whole... Uh, it's a very... Compl- like, it, it's the real, like... Uh, chicken and waffles leads to uh, malt liquor to yeah it's it's the really complicated one yeah it's um, total nonsense it, uh, yeah it would have been pages if I had written it down and it's completely abstract it's just like yeah. Robin free associating yeah yeah so they're like well then should we hail a cab at this time of day no it'll be faster to run. Hell yeah, them running through the streets. <laughs> them running through the streets to get to the UN headquarters. What a fucking great theme, too. Like, the music in the show all for, overall is awesome, but, like, just such a perfect theme song. Like, one of the oh, greatest yeah. of all time. It really is. I mean, it's, it stands the test of time. People who have never seen the show still know the song. Yeah, just that rad psychedelic guitar. So good. So good. So the penguin sneaks into the security council, uh, (laughs) which is just guarded by a guy at a desk saying, hey, can't you read the security council's in session? (laughs) They're all yelling at each other. So, yeah, he's got like this flying umbrella that just shoots forward and spins shooting gas at everybody. Yeah. And then, yeah, and when we get into the Security Council, the subtitles just say all arguing, all shouting. Yeah. That's it. That's all it says. Yeah, it, it's just a complete cacophony. They're all yelling and like there there are no like words. A guy's got his, yeah, no, a guy's got his like shoe off and he's hammering the table with his shoe. He is, of course, every the USSR guy. Them, yeah, every single one of them is speaking, uh, but nobody is listening and yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's that scene. It's it's a broad satire. And the very, Joker very zaps the Joker zaps them all with a dehydrator, and uh, and yeah, and the, the Batman and Robin don't get there. They don't save them. They do not save them. They don't get there in time. Uh, the villains escape through the elevator and down to the submarine dock, which I guess was below the UN building. They they ran. They're like. Their plan, and I wish we got to see this, was to send a message to each of the countries that they kidnapped delegates from, demanding one billion dollars. Oh yeah. To be sent on special carrier pigeons that the penguin has trained, and I'm just trying to imagine a horde of peng or uh, pigeons 
carrying like a whole bunch of briefcases of unmarked bills just Rad. across the ocean. We don't we don't get to see any of that. No. Sadly, even though like Batman and Robin do sort of fail at like every turn from here on out. Like they they sort of succeed, but they never really win. They they kind of blow it in the end. They kind of, I mean, they've blown it at this point. It's it's blown. It's over. Oh yeah, no, it's over. Um so uh yeah, they uh Batman and Robin are chasing after them in the boat now Bat boat. and Batboat. And uh, they're sending a homing missile after him. I'd say the Rob- Batboat is this my second favorite of the various Bat vehicles. It's just, like, it's got the same styling as the Batmobile, but as a speedboat, it's rad. It's the yeah. same, like, black with the red piping and stuff. It's so great. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. The Batcopter looks like a black somebody helicopter. Like, <laughs> enlarged a remote control helicopter. Yeah, it's it's pretty basic. It's just a black helicopter and there's a, a, a little bit of bat theming to it. Like uh, like some kind of bat like wings. Yeah, the the bat cycle and bat copter are uh, a little bit less intriguing, but the the bat boat is top flight. Mm-hmm. So Robin sends a jamming signal uh, which causes the missile to miss. And then the sub dives, so they send out their bat charges, which Robin fires through, like, this rocket launcher-looking thing. Cool. But, like, it looks like a toy rocket launcher, but it also still looks cool. I I don't get it. It's really weird, but I like it. Um, yeah, so they're firing. He's, Batman's like, remember, the diplomats are on board that submarine, so our job isn't to sink it, but to force it to surface. Um, and I think throughout this, it's teetering on the edge of a table because it, it's doing this for like a solid 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, it's teetering, but it's teetering so hilariously, like it'll fall over. And then it's like the bop it thing that you can't actually knock it down. Yeah, it will turn over completely sideways and like <laughs> and then just get back up. Yeah, yeah, it's a weeble. It, it's hilarious. And also, they're all different, like, bright neon colors, all of the different dusts. They're different colors. But they're, like, blue and, like, purple and green and, <laughs> and yellow. So it's, and, yeah. it's, it's nothing to do with race. It's just bizarre that they're all these weird, completely different neon colors in these test tubes. Uh, yeah. Well, how else are you going to tell them apart? I mean, you're, you're going to have to use the spectrum, anali- uh, spectrum analyzer to uh, get them... So all separated again. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they force the sub to surface and Batman and Robin climb aboard and pow, thwap, biff, bap, zwap, sploosh. Totally classic. Yep. This is the first thing I ever saw of this movie is I caught it like I came home from school for lunch because like growing up i i my my uh house growing up was right next to the school field for my elementary okay. school so i could yeah. just like go home at lunch because it's like right on the edge of the field uh and like having lunch and like this was the the sequence that was coming on and it's like oh my god this is amazing how i've never seen this because i was already a big fan of the this this tv series which aired heavily in those years Oh, so so you hadn't seen the movie. You'd only seen the show. Actually, I saw the movie after seeing the show, too. 
Yeah, I saw the show a but lot and then so yeah, caught that same. part of it. And like I, I later caught the whole thing on TV many times, I think. Yeah, I don't remember when I first saw the movie. But it was like, after watching the show a bunch. Yeah. And then I like I had it on DVD early on. It was one of the first DVDs I owned. Oh, so like it's it's what I've seen many, many times. So, yeah, it, it's just a great chaotic fight scene. All the goons come up. They like everybody keeps getting knocked into the water and coming back up and then falling into the water. Uh, Catwoman's cat gets on a lifeboat. Yeah, there's a whole bunch uh, of business with the cat. And uh, like they, they throw the cat and it lands in a lifeboat because can't get with the cat in the water. No, and, and you definitely can't have anything happen to the cat in this. No. Certainly not. Uh, yeah, so it, it ends like eventually when everybody's in the water, Batman and Robin just tie him up using the ropes on the side of the submarine. Catwoman uh, goes inside but trips and falls and her mask falls off. So goofy. And oh. Batman has his moment of realization and like it zooms in and yeah, just he like, sees like, and, and yeah, he, he's got like this look of horror on his face as the music from the French singer from the art house and the date begins playing in the background. <laughs> and, and I'm just imagining Joe Bluth there like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah, it's it's this very long held moment. And like, again, we've just been in the middle of this whole ridiculous fight. It's been very absurd. We've had all the zots and pows. This is the only sequence, I think, that we have the actual zot pow uh, effect. This is the up. only one. Yes. Yeah. The only one. And actually, I'm glad they saved it till the end. It It, it gives it a lot of extra impact, honestly. And. Yeah, and it's just such a, a silly moment because like he get it's so intense. Like he he it just like he's hit with the realization after all this time that he really should have figured out so much earlier. Especially considering he figured out the penguin instantly. Yeah, he and like th- this is another person you're fucking dealing with all the time. To be fair, she is a new actress for the movie. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, that's a good point. This like so this, I thought. Catwoman was black. Uh, well, th- that's the next Catwoman. Eartha Kitt was later. Mm. Uh, yeah, oh, there's, there's a, there were a few Catwomans in the show. Yeah. There was uh, uh, prior to her, this. There's was, uh, Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar was that was the first Catwoman. Yeah. But yeah, and Robin's just like, like he's not doing the Robin voice. He's just like, wow, I, I'm sorry, Batman. Batman's like, <laughs> say no more. It could be compromising. This is just. What happens to every crime fighter? Sure. He's always uh, getting into romantic triangles with himself. Uh, that that happened in Batman Forever. <laughs> Actually, it did. Uh, it did, but she didn't turn out to be Catwoman that time. Uh, she did turn out to be Catwoman in Batman Returns, though. Oh, yeah, of course. And in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, his girlfriend turned out to be Catwoman. Yeah. Or uh, did he know? I don't know. He knew. He was into it. That's what. I mean, that's why knew, they're such a good match. That's what makes I, them I a good match because they're both into. The or... They're both into dressing up as animals and going out and like doing stuff at night and rubber suits. I mean, that's that's a rare kink. You you gotta like get together with the right sort of person with that. I suppose. 
But anyway, uh, the Catwoman has been brought to justice now, too. And then remember Commodore Schmidlap, the actual guy? Well, he comes out. He's like, oh, well, there's all this commotion outside. What's going on? And then he trips, knocks over the test tubes, and then sneezes, blowing the dust everywhere. Oh, no. And so, yeah, they have to do uh they they have to construct a dust separating machine yep in the back cave they've got the super molecular dust separator and like the whole world is watching on like the on tv <laughs> and like you see these uh these clips from like other nations and it's like these are just clips from when they announced the pope probably or or something similar Something like that. They're they're, like, they're very ridiculous. They just dub different things over all of them. Yeah. And it's like there's no way that all these people care about the UN Security Council. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's perhaps each of the countries that these are supposed to be delegates from. Because it's Japan, the U.S., the USSR, oh, yeah, no, Israel, I, France, Spain, Germany, UK, and Nigeria. Yeah, but it's not like it is the Pope. It's... You can get another U.N. Security Council guy. The people cared a lot more about the U.N. back in those days. I think it had a little bit more oh, yeah, stock it was, as an organization. It was newer, and people thought it would be able to do something. Uh, so anyway, yeah, they after running it through the machine a whole bunch, they're like, okay, that's it. We are ready to rehydrate them. And they, uh, the, the president is on the phone with Commissioner Gordon. Robin's like, hey, maybe we could like alter them somehow and make you know, world with the state peace of the somehow. World, with the state of the world how it is, maybe we could, yeah, make it a little bit better. No, Robin, you saw in this very cave what happens when man tries to play God. And also how. Good point, Batman. Also how. Now, also how. <laughs> like, because they didn't even would, get it right. How would you? This doesn't even work out. <laughs> No, it doesn't. I don't know how Robin envisioned so, something so happening. Was he going to like pour some honey into back them or the something? Chairs, and they uh, they rehydrate everybody, but they're all speaking the wrong language. Oh no! Uh, yeah. So, but they're all still like, nonstop yelling at each other, exactly oh, as they were before, and none of them even recognizes that they don't have the same language that they used to. Yeah, or that they're in the wrong body or whatever actually happened. Yeah. Which right. <laughs> So Batman's like, this strange mixing of the minds may be the greatest gift ever given to humanity. Yeah, it's like, uh, Robin, we, we didn't screw up. This is probably for the best. Let's just quietly go out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his exact words are, let's go, but inconspicuously through the window yeah uh because like they <laughs> screwed up <laughs> they, they, they blew fucked it fucked up <laughs> to be fair they were doing an impossible task sure it, it's just they they screwed up several times along the way for them to get to this point of screwing up yeah so we just cut to the outside of the un building and batman and robin climbing down <laughs> with their bat ropes and it's the end, but in between the end, the living shows up in between, and then after the end, dot, 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 question mark. Ba -da -ba. Uh, that's Batman. 
until next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's so great. Uh, it, it's, it's just really good. It, it is one of those movies that does get better the more I watch it. It's it's so funny. It's and like hilarious when Adam West like throws his shade. Like, come on, uh, Pentagon Navy guy. <laughs> Did I do wrong, Batman? Uh, that that guy is absurd. Like everyone in power, anyone in any sort of authority is an absurd figure. They're childish and like incapable of doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bruce Wayne, when he's Bruce Wayne, is extremely vengeful. Uh, always talking about killing the criminals and all that. And yeah, just I mean, getting he, extremely angry. He, he's got to show his contrast with Batman, who is sympathetic and like uh, will never kill. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, I guess Bruce Wayne is the act in this case. Yeah, well, I, Bruce Wayne is the act in all cases. I think honestly, Batman is uh, his true expression. Uh, like maybe less so in the Nolan Batmans, where he's kind of putting on a silly voice and stuff and being gruff, but. I don't know, because he's very much playing Bruce Wayne in the second one of those, where he's mm, like playing the dissolute millionaire, but it's it's clearly just for show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this, this movie rules. It's so much fun. Uh, great soundtrack. Great color. Just the, the, the beautiful pop art colors of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole cast design. Um, the the villains also got a hold of Alfred's label maker. <laughs> yeah, they've got uh, all their labels. <laughs> uh, well, well, we actually find out that the entire world, uh, like we find out through the show, that the entire world has fallen in love with the label maker. The the label maker really there's caught actually on a Twitter in... account. I don't know if it's still running. That's just that's called Batman sixty six labels, where it's just yeah. them showing pictures of all, just all the different labels that show up in the series uh i i love all of those yeah th- that's great and, and and the villains are so good like frank gorshin number one and burgess meredith like uh also amazing uh, the the I, I think the guy who is an idiot who uh batman you know uh dresses down i believe his character name is vice admiral fangschleister which is a great name <laughs> Uh, Did he go to school with Mr. Hudsucker? I guess so. And Mr. Musburger. Sid Musburger. I call it a buzzsucker. Yeah, uh, (laughs) what what a great movie. Uh, It it is just totally a delight. And the series is great, too. Like, I I have revisited the series various times since, and, like, it, it holds up so well. Yeah, the series has some interesting villains who aren't in this, like a King Tut who uh, keeps getting hit on the head. Like he's a museum curator. He keeps getting hit on the head and thinking he's an evil pharaoh and yep. then keeps getting hit on the head again and going back to – he just has so much brain damage. And you got Mr. Freeze. Uh, and oh, and yeah. like they, uh, they just got so many great actors for the villains. Like the, I, it, it was such a fun Vincent role to Price play. Vincent Price as the egghead. Hell yeah. I mean, Vincent Price in anything I'm in. Oh, I'm yeah. Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, definitely great. Uh, huge recommend. Hilarious uh, on multiple levels because you can take it at face value and it's pretty fun. A little silly. Or or you can read into all the satire and be like, oh, man, this is 
really silly. Yeah, like not just to recommend, but like if you haven't seen it recently, watch it again because it's yes. it's probably better than you remember unless it's been a while. Yeah, uh, I like so I, good. I try to watch. I don't want to watch it all the time, but every few years I'll uh, sit down and watch it because I'll always find something new. It, it totally slaps. Uh, all right, so any last thoughts on Batman 66 before we move on to our final part? Well, the final part is... No, I can't improv a Adam West speech. I can't do it. No, no, I, I, I did not believe you could. <laughs> Unless I thought maybe you had something prepared <laughs> had ahead something of time. Planned, I could, yeah, but I like, come didn't. on, come on. Hey, uh, I, all right. I had one for the beginning. I, I, I planned that out. I know, exactly. That, that's, I, was like, I could not have improv that. And like, mm, is this an improv bit? Because I don't know. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, we'll head on to part three. And we're back for part three, where we're talking about other movies watched in the past week and deciding what we want to watch next week. Uh, so we've got, I think, 10 picks here this week. Ooh. Uh, so first up is Kiss Me Monster. Uh, this is the sequel to uh, Two Undercover Angels that I discussed last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is another Jess Franco one with The Red Lips. Uh, dreamy incoherence, nice. the, the the Franco style. Uh, I I like this one a lot. Uh, it, it's it really leans into how incoherent it is because it's like the the red lips. The this guy shows up, this messenger shows up to give them their new mission, and he starts to tell them about it. And he tells like who they're supposed to trail before he can get to why someone knifes him in the back, and then. This happens like three or four more times. Every time they go to talk to someone, they get knifed in the back. They can never figure out what the plot is that they're involved in. <laughs> Make way for Willie. Oh, I'm not very good at this. Like by the, the end back. of it, but by the end of it, they're just like so sick of it. Anytime a man gets too close to them, they just karate chop him into unconsciousness. And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we, we can't deal with this anymore. Uh, and like, there's there's an absence of plot which allows for just a lot of weirdness like and and slow cinema because there's like a part where they cross a river in real time to just like harp music uh there, there's a part where they they have to turn a windmill and like they laboriously turn this old rusty windmill from the outside like a oh. certain number of turns again in real time <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is Mansion of the Living Dead. It's another Jess Franco, more dreamy incoherence. Nice. This one's kind of his sexy version of The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There, there's these four strippers, and they've they've saved up, and they're going to go on this vacation together. Uh, and they go to this huge Spanish resort that like has been advertising in their local paper, and they. Like uh, uh, they they worked with this resort and like the place is supposed to be fully booked. And they get there and it's like completely empty. And like, I guess everyone's at the beach uh, and they like they they go to sign in. And there's just this one weird guy at the desk. He's like, yep, place is fully booked. Uh, I can't even get you in rooms near each other. You guys are on one end of the hotel and you guys are way over on the other side by the pool. There, there's this whole weird thing where the, the, the it's consisting of two couples like. Each of the the girls is like, or each of the groups, uh, is a, is secretly a couple, in in their okay. different rooms, uh, and they're 
they like think the other group of them is too prudish to allow it so they uh, they haven't admitted to each other it's this whole shaggy thing okay it, it basically turns out that the whole place is sort of a honeypot to gather sinners to sacrifice to satan because there's this cursed church of spanish inquisition zombies who live next door <laughs> i didn't expect the spanish inquisition <laughs> uh and like they they were cursed hundreds of years ago during the inquisition and now like they have to supply satan with souls for all eternity it's it's very strange <laughs> uh right. next up is dark knight of the scarecrow is a tv movie very good like uh, very atmospheric okay cool so it's the this this uh simple guy you know he he's not uh he, he he's got some some sort of mental disability and he he just kind of hangs around with kids because that's kind of what his level is but there's a few good old boy locals who are very suspicious of him and they hear through the grapevine that this girl gets has been killed and that he's a suspect and okay. they they hunt him down and he's hiding dressed up as a scarecrow in a field. All right. And they fucking blow him away. They pump 21 oh. bullets into him. Now he's got to get his revenge. And instantly over the radio, it comes through that uh, the girl was not killed at all. He actually saved her. She was attacked by a dog. Oh, so, so now he's got to get his revenge. So now he's got to get his revenge very soon. Uh, like each of them starts seeing this scarecrow appearing on their property because it's a farm area. And uh, right. each of them is horribly dispatched by their own farm equipment in some way or another. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. Right on. Uh, next up is The Killing, continuing the Kubrick movies. Oh. There's a really great noir. It's a heist, racetrack heist. Oh, Nice. So there, it's it's very elaborately designed and like it's very well planned by uh, Sterling Hayden, who's the sort of like really smart, ambitious guy, kind of putting it together. But he's a little too ambitious for his capabilities, and like there's a few loose ends among all of the guys he's got put together to do each of the little cogs in this plan. Uh, particularly Elisha Cook Jr., who's the obvious weak link. He's this uh, henpecked guy whose wife is uh she obviously has zero respect at all for him and is sort of taking over she she learns what's going on and and kind of wedges herself into things oh one of one of those mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it's great though looks amazing uh very rapid fire like it, it moves really fast just a, a really excellent classic noir cool cool uh next up is liza the fox fairy this is a Hungarian film. Oh. So Liza is a home care nurse. She's, she's taking care of this woman who has really severe diabetes. Uh, and the apartment that she's taking care of her in is haunted by this 60s Japanese pop singer. Okay. <laughs> but this pop singer is maybe also the angel of death. We, we see all these sequences where he just like goes and appears and reaps souls like up in space an astronaut gets hit by a piece of debris that just goes through them and he reaps them stuff like that all just right randomly that, that sounds fun uh and he's deeply in love with liza he's obsessed with her and he right. puts a curse on her making her a fox fairy 
So anyone who's attracted to her dies. But there's this clumsy but noble weirdo cop who is like new in town and he rents her spare room while he's trying to get to the bottom of everything. Okay, so he he must not be into her because he lives. Or is that is there something else going on? There's always more things going on. It's a very complicated thing where there's you know folklore. Uh, right. there, there's a, there's a lot of rules in folklore. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, so next up, we're all going to the World's Fair. Yay! This is kind of Homestuck. <laughs> what? So there, there's this this troubled teen girl who starts this augmented reality horror game, okay. and. Maybe it starts affecting the reality around her, or, you know, maybe she's just a troubled teen who is having a hard time uh, growing up in the Internet environment. Uh, and we, we kind of just see her deteriorate through her videos. Uh, sort of weird in the end, because there's kind of like Reply Guy the hero. <laughs> just sort of like, OK, uh, but it's it's very interesting. Uh, it's it's like it's mostly filmed through like Skype or like the videos that she posts like Instagram uh there there's not a lot of like there there's it, it's mostly internet content oh, okay it's sort of a, an an interesting mixed media horror movie all right uh next up is Shriek of the Mutilated <laughs> so, oh, okay it's a pretty legendary bad movie uh, a very bad Bigfoot movie Oh. So there's there's this professor who who's obsessed with Bigfoot and he is getting all his students uh, to go on this Bigfoot expedition with him to this private island he has. Uh, so why are all the professors always obsessed with Bigfoot? How come there's never any professors who are like kind of into Bigfoot or like they like Bigfoot, but, you know, it's not their whole life. Well, to be fair, in this one, spoilers, it's kind of a smoke smokescreen because there's actually just a satanic cannibal cult. Oh, OK. Uh, the, the Yeti costume is hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's so fakey and bad. It's like this this white shaggy outfit and they have really prominent lips because the, the teeth make their lips bulge out. It's very goofy <laughs> looking. It's it, I, I would describe it as trash sendant. Uh, like the bad acting, the bad costumes, the bad dialogue, everything's very poorly made, but it sort of all coalesces in, in sort of the way of like an Ed Wood movie of it just kind of being perfectly alien and hilarious. Okay. It's a really good time. Cool. <laughs> uh, next up is Writing Wrongs. Uh, this is a Hong Kong action flick from like the heyday, 1986. Ooh. Uh, terrifying stunts. Like just... I, it's amazing that people were not killed or horribly maimed in the making of this movie. Uh, there's like a sequence where Yun Biao is just like slow-mo jumping over real cars at high speed. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and, and the plot is very brutal. It's quite nihilistic. There's this crooked cop who murders a family of eight, mostly children, because oh. they're witnesses in this case against these two baddies. And he's just like their witness killing guy. And because he's embedded in the police, it's very easy for him to get them. Right, right. And there's this crusading prosecutor played by Yuan Biao, who is framed for crimes. And he's trying to work outside the law to solve the case. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock is 
uh, one of the police officers on the case. She totally rules. Uh, and she like obviously has divided uh, sympathies for quite some time and doesn't really believe him and sort of working against him. It's very interesting. Right. Cool. Uh, like the, the action is totally incredible. Uh, it's very brutal. Uh, pretty awesome. Right on. Right on. Next is Heavy Metal Parking Lot. I've heard of this. It's a documentary, right? Yeah, so this is only 17 minutes long. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one. No. Um, we'll see. Uh, if, if, if we pick this one, I figure we would have to do all of the extras. Because it, it's, it's one oh, yeah. of many things. Like, they've got Heavy Metal Basement, uh, Neil Diamond Parking Lot, the same parking lot later at a different concert. Uh, oh, cool. There's Harry Potter parking lot. They they kept making them for many years because this first one's 86. And Harry Potter oh, wow. parking lot is obviously in the aughts. Right, right. So it's them just like wandering around the tailgate party in a parking lot at a Landover, Maryland, 1986 Judas Priest Dawkin show. Cool. Uh, and yeah, just all of the people are uh, <laughs> very absurd and heightened, like... There's this dude who's about to go into the Air Force who's like 20-something, and he's there in his Camaro with his 13-year-old girlfriend. Oof, okay. They're all drinking. Uh, there, there's, like, you know, it's it's very heightened. There's the, the, the most famous image is the guy in the zebra outfit who's yelling about how Madonna's a dick uh, and how, like, uh, you know, only metal's good, uh, everything else is shit. Like, right. what's your philosophy on life? Metal rules, everything else is shit. Uh, it's, it's, I guess you can't kill the metal. It, yeah, uh, it's it's so much fun. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, some people feel it's like smug and it's laughing at them. Yeah, it's it's kind of laughing at them. But, I mean, to be fair, they're, they're, they are taking the mic and presenting themselves in this way. Like, they can't really be blamed for being misconstrued. Yeah, okay. But, like, it's such a famous doc. Like, there's even a Backstreet Boys music video that references it. It's so well-known, you know? Oh, wow. Uh, and last up is Cyber Vengeance. This is, like... That there's... sounds like... Um... <laughs> well, hold on. Is it an internet thing or a robot thing? I'm going to guess robot thing? Internet. Uh, oh. VR. VR. So... Oh, okay. Our main character is, like, a Kung Fu Karen guy. I hate him. I hate him so much. Uh, Kung Fu Karen? Yeah, he's like, he's introduced playing a VR game, like a tournament thing that's like, he's supposed to save the princess before this thing falls on her face and makes her die. Uh, And he he loses because he sucks. And Mm -hmm. uh, he complains to customer service and bitches that they used this anachronistic style of move in the sequence that they're not supposed to know. And he's so irritating. His wife comes in, who obviously financially supports them and is the only <laughs> job. And she is pissed off at him for making out with a VR woman on the couch instead of her. And uh, she is the villain in the movie or one of the villains, of course, because he's the he's our hero. Oh, no. Uh, he he works as a VR prison guard. Like, it's a prison, but they're all in VR, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I don't understand how it works, because they're in cells, but they're also in VR, and it's a VR prison, and, like... So can't they just take off the helmet? There's... 
I don't understand. And then there's like the guys who run the place are doing like a VR most dangerous game thing where like they're all hunters who hunt down the prisoners and there's like, I don't know, kill switches in their heads or something so they can. Oh, when you die in the game, you die in real life. Unless you're one of the guys who is the hunters and they don't have that function built in. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's it's bad nonsense. It's quite quite terrible honestly it's sort of like (laughs) historical reenactment society vr because it's just them going back to historical battles and it's clearly like they knew a bunch of historical reenactors and like they go back to they go to a civil war reenactment they go to a world war ii reenactment like it's very specific ones okay it sucks it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) no good (laughs) it's easily my least favorite of all the stuff i watched this week because most of the stuff i watched i really enjoyed Uh, this is the only one that i would say yeah this is the only one i was like i did not like this one all of the others i i enjoyed a fair amount uh all right well was, was sorry was that the last one that was the last one what do you figure for next week yeah next week uh well Right now, it's a toss-up between uh, Liza and Writing Wrongs. I don't know which one I want to go with. I really don't. So, uh, I mean, Liza the Fox Fairy, obviously, it's uh, a, a very blank comedy. It's it's uh, it's Hungarian, so it's got a very Eastern European, like it's, you know, former Soviet bloc, very blank humor. Where right. It, it's just it's very dry and very dark. Like, you know, people get splattered a lot. <laughs> uh, and then you you, you 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 don't really have any sympathy for anyone because like people are just kind of getting splattered left and right. Um, writing wrongs again, like also very brutal and nihilistic. It's like the the action sequences are pretty incredible. Like something like holy shit, how did that person not just get fucking creamed there by the, by the car that they're just like barely jumping over in <laughs> like obviously the same shot. <laughs> All right. Um... God, I don't know. Well, I've been I'd been eyeing uh, Lies of the Fox Fairy on the main stacks for a while and I'd been meaning to pick it, but never quite got around to it. So why don't we do that? All right. And uh, I don't know if have we done a Hungarian film before? I'm not sure if we have. I don't believe so. Uh, we, we've done uh, the 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 most recent one we did in the folk horror box was similar like a, a close by place but i think it was uh czech yeah, republic or, or i think it was czechoslovakia because it was oh, pre that... yeah that's right is that folk horror box still around i haven't seen it sure is. There in a while oh nice uh, the the next one in there is witch hammer oh cool uh it's actually pretty high up in the stacks because we haven't come back to it in a while okay. uh so uh the the additions this week uh we've got a handful here uh, first up is The Shadowed Mind. Uh, this is a South African giallo. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the the setting is quite wild. It's uh, uh, There's an affair going on between these two patients in a psych ward for mm-hmm. people with sexual dysfunctions. And, of course, there's also a slasher there. Okay. So it's a it's a slasher taking place in a psych ward for people with sexual dysfunctions in South Africa, and it's yellow style. Cool, cool. Eighties uh, yellow style, so really high style, is my understanding. All right. Uh, next up is Night of the Hunted. More, th- or this one's a Jean Rolin, who I kind of think of as like the higher class 
Jess Franco. He made a lot less movies. All Jess right. Franco. Jess Franco made like 300 movies. Jean Roland made like, you know, 30. <laughs> uh, but they have a similar style. Like they both like sort of hazy, weird incoherence. There's a lot of sex and nudity in their movies. They tend toward genre films with like vampires and zombies and stuff. But they're like really chill most of the time. <laughs> okay. So Night of the Hunted, there's this uh, there, there's this woman who's just out running in the middle of nowhere. And this guy almost hits her with his car, takes her back to his apartment and they have sex. And then he learns that she has uh, like memory loss, like anterograde memory loss, like the guy in Memento. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. And she's an escapee from this evil science and medical lab called the Black Tower. <laughs> uh, I love the they... names for evil science labs. Yeah, uh, where where people who have memory and identity loss due to nuclear contamination are treated. Oh, uh, I don't very know what that means. specific. Um, yeah, interesting. yeah. Uh, next up is Paths of Glory. Is the next Kubrick. Oh, cool. Uh, his second go at the War is Hell concept after Fear and Desire, which was diffuse. Uh, this one's great. It's a court-martial trial in World War One France. Okay. So there's these these guys who were supposed to go on a suicide mission that was like obviously unwinnable. They're supposed to just go on a charge and die, and they refuse to. So they're accused of cowardice. So they're on a court-martial trial to be sentenced to death. Okay. All right. And you know it's it's about the insanity of war. You got Kirk Douglas as the guy who's working as their military lawyer and trying to be like, why, why are we killing these guys for this? Uh, what is the insanity of this? Uh, next up is ants. What's this about? <laughs> ants. Nice. Uh, we're in ants. Uh, so there, there's these vacationers at this swanky lakeside resort and ants have been, eating this toxic insecticide that for whatever reason, instead of killing them, makes them more aggressive. Well, it's a fine line between some, between a chemical that kills an animal and a chemical that makes it uh, grow into superhuman size in the sewers. I mean, yep. it's just like a molecule away. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you to know? So uh, yeah, it, this is a TV movie. Uh, and just, yeah, ants take over a, a lakeside resort. <laughs> cool. But I think not giant ants, just regular-sized ants that are really aggressive. Oh, well, you know, I mean... Because, you know, it's a TV movie. They couldn't afford giant ants. No, but, you know, aggressive ants are still pretty shitty. Aggressive ants are are, are not great. Uh, have you ever seen Them, the giant no, ants? No, I never cool. did. we, we got to do that sometime. It is a masterpiece, like, legit. Oh, really? Okay. I love that movie. Right on. Uh, all, right. all right. Last edition is The Other Side of the Mirror. It's another Jess Franco. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm on a Franco kick again. So this, <laughs> is a, this is a woman who is haunted by the ghost of her father. Uh, he committed suicide on the day of her wedding. Uh, and like she initially saw him in a mirror hung. And now he lives in the mirror universe and tells her to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> uh and mostly men who are attracted to her like he killed right. herself he killed himself on her wedding day very purposefully because he didn't want her to marry he's very uh you know there there, there are some uh, psychological issues there all right 
So those are all the additions. What do you figure for our main movie next week? Well, heck, why don't we get back into the folk horror box? Because it's been a very long time and we haven't gone very deep into there yet. True, true. So, uh, yeah, I saw I just saw Witchhammer on the thing. Um, let's do it. All right. So Witchhammer is, uh, I think, Finnish uh, or Norwegian. No, no, Czech. I think it's another Czech one. OK. Uh, uh, so, yeah, th- this is, you know, an, uh, a witchcraft inquisition. Uh, you know, uh, but one of the European ones, the, the classic, you know, villagers just going crazy, uh, probably black plague era. Oh yeah. That's a, it's a bad era. Not a great one. Uh, and my understanding, like really great cinematography, uh, and just like very sharp, stark, uh, design and everything. Cool. All right. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that should be fun. So uh, next week, we've got uh, Witchhammer and Liza the Fox Fairy. Some interesting pairing, some folklore stuff, kind of both kind of a folk horror adjacent, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be. It, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. These sound like fun. All right. So uh, any last thoughts before we close for this evening? Witches, witches, witches are like. Something from Halloween, Halloween, which is a holiday, holidays that have. Anyway, it's going to eventually turn into Fox, and I I didn't think this through well enough. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks so much, everyone, for listening and catch us next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.